Hello, it's Nick Castle, Michael Myers. You're listening to The Skeleton Crew. Welcome, Boneheads. It is here once again, the iconic classic, The Skeleton Crew Horror Podcast. The podcast that will tickle your funny bone and have you screaming for more. Exclusively at Horrorphilia.com with your trio of numbskulls, Jamie Sammons. I, 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 I like it. Dan Chase. I love the fucking you guys, dude. Yo. And Alex Edwards. Yeah, asshole. Woo! You are now entering the bone zone. Crew returns for show number 127. I am joined, as always, by Jamie Sammons. What's up, Jamie? Woohoo! I am so excited to be here. And let me tell you, Brian wants to thank you for changing the intro to the show. <laughs> hey, it only took uh, Dan rejoining the show and having to do that to say, you know what, hey, Matt, while you're there, can you say salmon real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, it's uh, and of course we bring it up every time, so I don't think there's a soul out there who is unaware of the fact, but, um, you know, it's nice to, to have it chiseled in stone, I guess, and thanks to Matt. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm also joined by, uh, a guy who's not the special guest host, Dan Chase. <laughs> yes, moving on up in the world. Oh, and, and Jamie, by the way, too, um, I told you, so I'm writing a uh, a script for a short film, and um, my main character's name is Jamie Jenkins. So you will forever be immortalized, uh, at, least, at, at least in my short film. <laughs> it's a short film, so it's a video of your dick? Oh! <laughs> God! not even a video it's a pixelated picture <laughs> uh. <laughs> and alex just clapped at his own joke oh come <laughs> on I, sometimes you gotta pat yourself on the back when you come up with a zinger like that <laughs> alex naturally i'll bet you alex hears uh married with children uh audience Do you know that my sister used to say that to me all the time she goes i bet when you walk in a room you hear audience applause like married with children <laughs> Because she thinks my whole life is television, <laughs> and and mainly that show. I mean, the reason I do a Married Children podcast is because I it's not a, all an accident, guys. I mean, it was like basically an obsession of mine for twenty years. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely the right guy to do it. <laughs> Without a doubt, dude. Without a doubt, yo, man. I I, I told you this before too, but uh, that show's good, man. It's fun. I, like I said, like I I I've always been into Married with Children, but that just uh, you guys, you guys nail it, dude. And uh, shout out to your co-host too, man. Those guys are good, man. Yo, real quick, I I was gonna wait to like maybe get on. I don't even know when I'll ever get on a podcast with JP though. But I remember JP from back in the day, dude. He was probably one of the first people that like I started watching. I think he had. Yeah, remember that video YouTube thing he did? A long time ago, right? Like, what are you, fucking 
47, JP? I, he's but only no. like 20-something. I, I used to listen to that. I used to watch that uh, that podcast. That was really good. And then they just always. stopped doing it, yeah. But, yeah, no, he was always good, man. So, yeah, so shout out to those guys. But, yeah, yeah all you guys have a uh, have a damn good show, man. Hey, you too, man. Cut to the cut to the chase. Woo! <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves cut to the chase. We were so glad. And when Dan started cut to the chase, uh, we knew that he was back full force and still great. And then, uh, you know, we came up with the whole thing with him coming back here. And it was like, oh, yeah, man. Are you kidding me? Well, dude, you know what it is too. It's it's so much better for me for this show though because at least I have like somewhat of an outlet to fucking talk about all those stupid movies. Like, I would sit there and, and before I know it, like for eight minutes, be talking about like Marvel movies, and I'm like, what am I doing? What a fucking horror show here. So at least that gave me an outlet to 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 do it away from here, and it's been fun, dude. And thank you for uh, coming on with me. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it see, here's what I like about it too. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to, like, tie myself down to any restraints, any restrictions or, or anything like that. Like, whoever wants to come on can constantly switch it up, constantly switch the content. I mean, I want to do music shows. I want to do all kinds of different stuff. So, like I said, it's always good to to have outlets for, for everything. And, I mean, because look at Jamie. Jamie's got an outlet for every subgenre of horror. Yeah, but oddly enough, she has nowhere to charge her phone. <laughs> i know but 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 yeah well it's like every time i think of something i'm like oh well i'll just do a podcast about that (laughs) recently i was like you know what we someone needs to do a podcast about thrillers from the 90s i'll do that yeah, <laughs> this is you know just weird shit that nobody talks about. Like, um, hand that rocks the cradle. Like exactly that was that. Wow, that is weird. That's gonna be that was the exact example I was gonna give. How about Silence of the Lambs? Stuff that uh, <laughs> stuff like hand that rocks the cradle that doesn't really fit any you know in a horror podcast, but nobody ever talks about you know that kind of thing, or just even like the the. Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of them because they were they were all over the place uh, back then. Or you know, even going farther back to the '80s with like Fatal Attraction or Jagged Edge, things like that. Things that people need to see if they haven't ever seen them, but nobody talks about anymore. I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I should say that to Dan. If I'm saying something and he just glosses over it and talks about something else, I'm going to yell at him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude, I uh, I gave up rabbit a long time ago. Isn't that what she puts in? Oh, uh, you yeah. gave up rabbit? Ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I know, just just last week. <laughs> no, but but regard. I think real quick though. Sorry, guys, but I think regardless of what I do and and this that and the other thing as far as podcasting, I always consider it a distant second to this. This is home to me, man. You know. Thanks. Yeah, it is home for you, man. And uh, I love cuts of the chase because I too am into so many things that I would be just stifled as all hell with uh, just the skeleton crew. Like, uh, it's a general show, so that's cool. And I love I love that. So anytime, yeah, we could just talk about a bunch of things. Uh, but for this show, what we're going to talk about is the big news is that there's a Friday the 13th video game coming out. So we definitely want to touch on that. And the other thing is, you know... One of the best times we ever had and the best string of shows we ever did were the classic Universal Monster movie uh, shows. You know, a lot of people like those, even if they're not fans of those movies, they listened to them because, you know, they were interested and they said, well, I'm probably not going to 
uh, watch the movie or whatever, but I'll check it out what they say and see what it's about, you know, and uh, if, if whatever they say grabs me, then hell, I'll, I'll, I'll search it out, you know, it must be somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, people really like those shows. I think it was around, I think it was uh, Skeleton Crew 68, 69, and 70. Those are the Universal Classic shows. So, as we're doing that, I'm not really sure why we wrapped it up or whatever. Dan mentioned how uh, somehow we started talking about Claude Rains. It must have been because he's Larry Talbot's father in The Wolfman. Then somehow it came up that he was the Invisible Man. And Dan and, and Dan asked about it. And, and um, I said, dude, that's one of the the greats of the Universal Classics. He goes, oh, well, then why aren't we doing who's, that? Who's Claude Rains, Alex? I watched the movie with Kevin Bacon. Did I watch the wrong movie? What? Just playing. Dude. I'm just playing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex's heart just stopped and his nuts just crawled up into his stomach. Is what happened? <laughs> this show's gonna suck. <laughs> he didn't even watch it. <laughs> and then Dan goes, "I said it's one of the greatest." And I think at the time we were reviewing a movie Dan didn't like, so he goes, "Well, dude, how come we're not doing that?" <laughs> He's like, why are we doing the Ghost of Frankenstein? I was going to say, was it the Ghost of Frankenstein? I think it was. It was. It was. Well, because those movies are classics. And I've always heard about The Invisible Man. So naturally, I was intrigued. But Alex, I'm really glad you brought that up, though, dude. Because it's, um, this is why I I see this a lot, too, uh, on Facebook and whatnot. But everybody's constantly um, recommending stuff to each other, right? Constantly, I do it to people all the time or whatever. And I guess it's what it's based on. Like you see something and you want to share it with the world. Like, oh, I want you to see what I see. You know, it's a it's a very it's a very it's it's based in a very nice place or whatever. The only thing with that is like, nobody really listens to each other's recommendations and stuff like that. Yeah, they go, OK, I'll check it out. And that's the end of it. Exactly. So this is uh, this is why I love these movies, too, because I'll be honest. And I think I, I told you this before on the last reviews, man. There would be no there would be no situation where I would like go out of my way <laughs> to watch these movies other than this. But this is why I love it though. This is why I love it. Now now uh, Ghost of Frankenstein aside, I've been so pleasantly surprised by it. So it almost makes it all worth it. Like if you told me that, oh yeah, you're gonna be reviewing movies from the 30s, like I just even the sound of it, I'm just like it sounds so boring. Uh, but dude, like I'll be honest with you, and and I know you know we talk about the comedy aspect. And I, obviously there's more to it. I'm not saying that. But I, I watch these movies and I have so much fucking fun with them, dude. Even even with this one and without getting into uh, too, too much of it, dude. Like right out the gate, dude, there's, there's a straight reefer madness moment with a dude on the fucking piano. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, if you could uh, – if you watch movies that you have seemingly no interest in, just put your phone away don't let that distract you. Sit there and stare at the TV, and I swear you'll get drawn in, and eventually you'll <clears throat> experience the movie and enjoy it. Like, when people recommend movies to me, man, I realize that <coughs> when I go to watch them, I let this phone thing distract me, and I and that's sort, sort of like my safe haven. Like, I say, well, no matter how bad this is, I could always just keep checking my phone, you know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I'm depriving myself constantly of great experiences. If you just put the damn phone away and focus, if you do that, almost anything's good. Because if you get into anything, 
you know, somebody thought this was good. The director or the actors or the editor or the writer of the movie. Like, I mean, this has to have something. <laughs> so if you just give yourself over to the to the viewing experience, you'll be surprised how much you like stuff. And, dude, e- exactly, man. And even living through, like, the, say it's, like, a boring part, like, sit there. Be in it because I, I, I'm so glad you brought this aspect up, dude, because I was thinking about this. And I think I've maybe told you guys this, but, dude, do you realize – and I, I don't know if this, like, speaks to my, 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 my reviewing skills or lack thereof. But, like, when I – all my favorite movies, dude – I really didn't even like enjoy first time around or or like right at first, you know, like like some of them I let simmer and, and you know, that there's a big problem with that on the other way of it, too, where, you know, you don't want to go in and 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 just ride that hype wave either. Like, oh, this right. movie's getting hyped it's, up. It's and, automatically good. So let me just sit here and enjoy and, and experience what everybody else is saying. Yeah, but I've definitely I've definitely had films that I flat out didn't like. And the more that I watch them, they, you know, they they get better. Uh, one of them. Right. And, oh, Lord, here we go. But uh, we always end up here. But one of them is the Friday, the, thir- the Friday, the 13th remake. Oh, we can't talk about Friday, the 13th. Anymore. I know. But that's just an example. And another I feel one like it's is a staple of the show. <laughs> it is. It's got to be mentioned. Yeah, every people episode. are like, yeah, I want to staple their mouth shut when they talk about it. <laughs> but that's just an example. Uh, there are several movies like that. When I first watched them, I was like, ah, pooey, you know? And okay, then, how about, have you, have you been recommended a movie by people that, have you been burned a bunch of times? Like when people recommend stuff to you and they absolutely suck it, do you stop sort of taking recommendations or? Fortunately, I think people tend to kind of get what I like. And it's rare that I'm recommending a film that I don't like. Uh, one example, though, that didn't work recently was Dave recommended the film Evolution. And I get why he did, because there are things about it that are very, well, for one thing, there it's, it has a lot of Lovecraftian elements. And so that's why, it's, that's why he recommended it to us. And I can see that, and that part was interesting. But the film overall, I didn't care for. So... On occasion, it happens, but not so much. Like, if Dave were to recommend a movie to me today, I would definitely check it out because he knows what I like. And so most people, when they recommend a film to me, it's because they think right. that I will enjoy it. And um, and they're usually right. I mean, people tend to give me good recommendations. So I usually try to take them up on it, you know, unless I forget. But I actually do try to watch movies that people tell me to watch because I, I figure they're telling me for a reason. Oh, and, and by the way, just and, and Jamie, I totally agree with that, by the way. Um, and, you know, one thing I realized, too, is like this is just a little over like one episode of Breaking Bad. Like how 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 long is The Invisible Man? Like 70 minutes, maybe like, do, do you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's so worth it, dude. And and I, I feel that that it's been vindicated every all the recommendations as far as these classic ones. Um, it's all been vindicated. Like it's all paid off. And and that's the thing, too, like. When you when you recommend a TV show to somebody, like, and I I do this to people, you know, but um, it's just one of those things where um, it's just I don't know, like with what I do and stuff like that, it's just it's just fun for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially these classics. I mean, look, we've done all these Universal classic monster movies. How many were bad so far? You got Dracula, which was only bad because Todd Browning didn't give a shit about it because. Lon Chaney like just died. The guy who was supposed to be Dracula in that movie, and 
Todd Browning was miserable over it. Literally did not give a shit about directing the movie. Didn't even want to be there. His mind was with his dead friend. And it was very uninspired. And even the Spanish people did a much better job of directing and, and giving that movie life and stuff. And, like, he just dropped the ball on that completely. And It, was oh, just- it is easily my one of my least favorite of the Universals, uh, which I, I whenever I see it on someone's top list of the Universals, I always have to wonder, really, why? I mean, do they or is it is it there because you really do enjoy the film or is it there because you think it needs to be? Right. Because if you look at that film objectively, it's just not that good. I mean, it's boring for one. Um, it's. And we did get the iconic Dracula from it, right. but That's about it. there are so many better Universal films right. than that one, in my opinion. Now, that's just mm-hmm. my opinion. I don't want, I mean, I'm not telling anyone they're wrong if they really do like the film. But sometimes when I see that film on I the am. list, I, I'm suspect. Yeah, I think, well, Jamie, I think the obvious answer to me is Lugosi was just so good that people are literally, they buy into it because of every single scene of his now well yeah yeah the imagery alone is iconic right so uh, the film or the film built around that may not even matter right exactly like like they probably dismiss it and just can't wait to the next part he's in and the sad thing is even Lugosi scenes would have been better if it was handled by a director who gave a damn you know so and and it's funny because that guy also directed um that weird movie freaks right Freaks is the um the circus. Google one, right? gobble, Google gobble. Yes, one oh, of us, dude. one of us. Google right? gobble. Yeah, I, I really like that film. You know, yeah. quite a bit. He's not even known for directing Dracula, believe it or not. Like when people say Todd Browning, they think Freaks. Yeah, it's more it's more Freaks. Yeah, believe it or not. Like that's how much. Uh, James, if you think of Universal films, the first director I think of is James Whale. Right. And uh, which uh, is uh, exactly who we're going to be talking about tonight. But um, but, you know, with James, <laughs> you've got Frankenstein, you've got Bride of Frankenstein, you've got this one. And all of those all of these films are superior, oh, I think, to, to Browning's Dracula. But it's just I mean, you're right. When when people think Todd Browning, they don't automatically go universal. Uh, when I think universal directors, I automatically go James Whale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well. Can I say something about all these characters, too, from the Universal films that you guys are talking about? So here's my thing, man. So you hear about these, like from my perspective anyways. So I hear about all these iconic characters and, you know, like as of now, you watch certain um, at this point in time, 2017, how many fucking times have I seen an iteration of Dracula, of this, that, and the other thing? And you like certain ones over other ones, this, that, and the other thing. But the the only thing about going back to these that is like I think really more beneficial than anything that that you don't really think about is you get kind of the intent by by from these characters like with Frankenstein like you hear Frankenstein but like watch that story and like you know you see these Dracula and and you see the themes behind it and even you know some some themes that I, I don't know if they were necessarily trying to be pushed forward through you know by you know by the directors or the writers or whatever but like I got certain senses certain um I don't know what you call like metaphors in it and stuff like that maybe that's you can find that in any film you watch but I, you 
you see the story and it it, it shapes the character. The, the story around the character um, is, is really important. And I think it's intriguing to me. It's like, oh, huh, I've never thought about that. Like, I hear Invisible Man. And that's that's literally like the character. That's all. But you don't think about the movie and what it's necessarily trying to say. Yeah, you're right. The characters like, overpower the movie. Totally, like, and and to the point, dude, where it's it's like you said, like, uh, we're t- you you had a thread about this uh, the other day, Alex. I saw it's like a Mickey Mouse thing. It's like people forget, like, what does he even do? Like, like what what is that you say you do here? You know, it's like what is your major malfunction? <laughs> exactly. So it's like it's nice to go back and actually see the intent by all these, see the intent that was, you know, um, or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't like I said that that uh, that much of a conscious decision. Decision. But even regardless, whether it was conscious or not, to to go forward in the direction to where you know they built those movies around those characters, that's what it is. And 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 and. Those are all the movies what are based on. So let's get to your point where you mentioned um, the different versions of Dracula. Like, why is it they make forty or fifty movies about this Dracula story? How come the world hasn't made fifty movies about Casablanca or Metropolis or like all these other movies? Like, how come they just choose these? horror people or whatever to keep making 50 different versions of but nothing else gets like there's not 50 versions of gone with the wind there's not 50 versions of like all these other movies that are out there it's a wonderful life or there are 50 versions of a christmas carol but that's that's it isn't it weird how like they there's not 50 versions of a ton of stuff but there is with almost all these horror icons how come that is a wow that's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. an unexpected question, um, <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I think. Well, there are probably a lot of factors that go into play. I mean, th- think about um, think about the, the audiences. I guess think about the the why people continue to make horror. One horror has always been comparatively cheap to make with big returns. It's so easy, comparatively again, to get a horror film made because you can throw a very little amount of money at it and it's going to get back its return. If you especially use a known quantity, a known character yep. like Dracula or just vampires in general. I mean, look at the all the vampire movies out there. Um, it's easy to do. Yeah. Zombie movies. I mean, when, when zombies became big, suddenly you had zombie movies out the ass and they're still coming. I mean, not as, not as ferociously as they were at one point, but they're still coming. And... It's because uh, part of that is because they're cheap and easy to make and you know that you're going to get your money back when you make them just because you don't have to put that much money in to begin with. But mm-hmm. I, as far as like, you know, why aren't there uh, like numerous versions of Gone with the Wind? Well, I mean, for one, that movie was done so well the first time you can't really do that again. No one could afford to make that movie. Yeah, you could say the same for Frankenstein. Well, you could, you could, but there are always, um, I, I guess, well, that's when I, when I mentioned the audiences, there are are always going to be the generations of people who will not go back, who will refuse to go back. And so you can reach them by making a new version. And, and, and I name bad examples because I name two like, legendarily, like, for some reason, Casablanca is known as the greatest movie ever made. I watched it. Oh, frankly, Alex, I don't give a damn. Yeah. 
Oh, well, you're mixing. That's Gone with the Wind. But, uh, no, and, and Gone with the Wind is known as sort of that, too. And Honestly, and you couldn't, you couldn't make Gone with the Wind, really, uh, today because it's no longer relevant um, in that, in in that, there is a huge backlash against that film currently. Of how you know, because people are, there are people who are angered by how it portrayed, you know, slave life and et cetera. Like it wasn't, you know, you know, people weren't just walking around fanning themselves, and and you know, not everyone was nice to their mammy, and and it, you know, and that's true, that's true. But it's still, as a film, it is an incredible. Wait, are we talking about Son of Dracula or Gone with the Wind? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I think you could make that film in this currently, and, and you just couldn't. So you kind of have to hold on to. So you, you have to do Dracula, right? The classic version, you know. Um, yeah, you have to. You have to do Dracula. So you just have to remake <laughs> Dracula instead. Yeah, it is money, I guess. That's the answer. And, and Jamie, to speak to your point too, you know, with the low budget horror thing, um, you get good actors in there too, and, and and get them to really get into these characters, and that's that can speak volumes too. Just, to, I just want to say well, that. Yeah, about- I mean, and especially older actors who no longer are viable in the A list world, they have to they have to have something to do. So that's what you know, horror has been yeah. horror has been employing you know out of work actors for years. Well, we got <laughs> it's the Betsy Palmer effect. That's how we got such an amazing person with Betsy Palmer. That's how we got whatever happened to Baby Jane. You know, um, right. oh, yeah. which by the way, um, oh man, there is a series called The Feud that's starting. I know. On the- is it the fifth? Or is that today? When? No, the fifth. Yes. Um, which is uh, Betty versus Joan, and it's being, it's being done by oh, what's his name? What's the American Horror Story guy's name? Uh, Ryan Murphy. Yes, Ryan Murphy is doing it, and he was on our all ab- show. It's all about the feud uh, between Betty and Joan, and uh, Baby Jane is going to play heavily in it, and I'm so excited to see this series. I'm dying, but that's not related to anything other than. It just popped into my head, but and horror fans might be interested. So well, I'm glad you said that, though, Jamie, because there's a lot of shows like that. Um, same thing where it, it has like, because um, all right, here, I don't want to get too deep into this, guys, but like, why do we like horror? We like it for certain elements and stuff like that. But like a lot of the things that we generally end up talking about are, is you know like stuff that you can find in any movies, right? Good character development, um, sure. you know, good story, all that kind of thing. But like. Right, exactly. So with that story, um, that's very intriguing because it's not straight up horror. But like, I don't know about y'all, but that movie scared the living. I still see fucking scenes when when that when that crazy bitch comes on, and, and I see her eyes, and it still freaks me out to this day. And that ain't horror straight up, but like, it has so many. I guess I don't want to say horror elements because that's not what I mean. It's it doesn't have to always go back to horror. I just mean the same stuff that we always find in these good movies, which is like I said, strong characters, you know, good story, this, that, and the other thing. So when even like when you just said that, uh, Jamie. I'll probably check it out if I hear good things, but like uh, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm literally watching 20 million things. I heard you are too. I was talking to Brian last night. I heard you are too, as as normal, Jamie. Oh yeah. But but that's the thing. Like I'm I'm down. Like I'm definitely open to it. But what I'm saying is, you got to be open to it. If it if it's not straight up horror, it's it has so many elements. Like same with that Hitchcock movie. Um, with, uh, what's his name with Anthony Hopkins, you know, same thing. It's not a horror movie, but it's, 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 it's about, it's nothing but about horror movies, you know? So I'm always, Did you open. mean Anthony Perkins? No, Hopkins is, the, he's the one who played uh, Hitchcock. 
Hitchcock. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the Hitchcock movie oh, with right. Anthony Perkins. And I was like, why didn't you just say Psycho? But I, was like, I see what you mean. You mean the movie Hitchcock with yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Okay. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so happy that you guys just brought this up in the same vein of how they did a movie about Hitchcock and sort of, uh, it was like loosely about him in general, but a little bit more about Psycho. They made a movie about James Whale called Gods and Monsters in 1998, and it it starred uh, Ian McKellen from the X-Men movies. He plays Magneto, and he plays uh, James Whale in this movie. And it's it's like a biography kind of thing, and it's all about uh, how he was he was exploited in Hollywood, and how he left, and his movies were screwed with sometimes. And there was one time he had Car Blanche to he had so much creative control, and this is during the time when he did with Invisible Man, and uh, he was like a king at Universal and stuff like that. Dude, and, uh, Gods and Monsters? I've never heard of it. I'm so intrigued. You just said Ian McKellen. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he plays James Whale, the guy who directed The Invisible Man. So I'm definitely going to check this out. Hopefully, I'm definitely going to check that out because I love James Whale's work. So hopefully, I, I'm not uh, put off by learning about him himself. So we'll, I'll And plus fucking Gandalf, dude. Magneto. Come yeah, on. Yeah, really. <laughs> He's an OG. So here we are. We're going to... Our last show... We, we touched on the creature from the Black Lagoon. That wasn't a very in-depth, that was very on-the-surface uh, review. We didn't give it the same treatment that we gave any of the other Universal Classic movies. Um, but we're, we're going to give The Invisible Man the real treatment. We're going all out with this one. That's the main focus of the show. But like I said, we're also going to touch on Friday the 13th video game first. So uh, we'll do that when we get back right after this. The Skeleton Crew encourages you to talk to your kids about masturbation, but not while they're doing it. Not this time. Yeah. 
monstrous fucking cum receptacle bitch. Scott Howard, this is your father speaking. Now open this door right this minute. Okay, Dad. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> An explanation is probably long overdue. An explanation? Jesus Christ, Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. It's not as bad as it looks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. You mean you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. I was hoping it would pass you by. Well, Dad, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. What the hell am I going to do? Scott, we really need to talk about this. Forget it, Dad. I don't want to talk. Go away. Oh, yeah. Dropping fucking loads all over your fucking faces. Yeah. Eat that This Friday the 13th video game, um, I have not watched, I, people have tried to force it on me, but I really have not looked up or tried to watch a minute of anything. I've seen a couple screenshots, this and that, but I don't want to see anything about it. I don't want to know anything. I just want to buy it and play it. It's supposed to be the greatest game ever made because, you know, the first thing you ever had was the Nintendo game back in the 80s, and I played that to death, and all you do is go from cabin to cabin, set fires, pick up rocks, pick up spears, pick up this, pick up that, and then you see where Jason is, you get this alert, you get all excited, you try to find which cabin he's in when you're in this, yeah, it's like a big map. Crystal Lake is just a bunch of, like, houses, little houses, like cabins, I guess, and water behind it, and birds come down and hit you it's pretty lame but again it's insanely nostalgic because you're so in love with friday the 13th that you probably played it for a few hours or whatever when you were a kid you know and then you fight jason and believe it or not you gotta beat jason three times like you could kill him get him all the way down and he's still alive and it's impossible to beat without like a game genie code because I couldn't do it without it, and I felt I was doing pretty good. I, I'm sure someone did. That's probably the only thing it has in common with the uh, with the movies. You just keep killing them, and he comes back. It's the only thing. right. <laughs> and it's weird because it's like a zombie Jason, but it but it has the part two reference. It has the shrine in the mom's head. Believe it or not, in that movie, I think you have to actually shoot the mom's head at some point. Oh right? really? Oh cool. Yeah, you got to throw like knives or machetes at her or something like that. Yeah, and. Uh, 
So you do that, and then you finally uh, win the game, and it's not even a rewarding win. So now to this new game, it's supposed to have every single Jason in it. Uh, I don't know how far it goes, because like I said, I don't want to know anything. I don't think it goes beyond Part 8, and I don't even know if Part 8 is in there. I don't even know if you go to New York. Does anybody know this? And do I want to know, or...? As of yet, as no. of yet, I have seen no evidence of that. I know that no. there is Higgins Haven. I know, I mean, and I've seen actual gameplay from okay. different. So I know that Higgins Haven is a place that you go to. You do have different versions of Jason. I have seen firsthand part six, part two, yep. Yep. part, I uh, forget. Um, Tell me seven's in there. That I don't know. Because um, I've just seen little snippets of gameplay from here and there. And also, I don't think there's four as well. Completed. Um, it's really cool because the different versions of Jason have different uh, abilities. So, like with part two versus the part six Jason, there are things like the part six Jason can't run. Oh, <gasps> really? So, yeah. Wow, that's so, genius. it's, it's uh, they do actually take oh, wow. bits and pieces from So, it's not just putting a different skin on the same character. And right. giving him all the exact same stuff. It's not just like, oh, you want to look like this or you want to look like that. No, it's much cooler than that. It's not only do you look like this, but you can actually do or not do what he could or could not do as that version of Jason. Now, Jamie, I got a question for you. Have you seen any evidence of them bringing back any other characters like Ginny or, or Paul? Uh, or yes. Um, Tommy. Okay. That's... I've seen Tommy. Oh, is it? Um, it oh, it, no, it's, it's, the part, it's the part it's six. Matthews, six Tom, Tom Matthews. Yeah. Tom. Um. <laughs> and uh, I can't think of there's I can't think of what else I've seen so many different um, like so many different playthroughs of this that I'm, they get kind of jumbled in my head. But um, yeah. I, I don't say I don't think you've seen Chris. I know you're at Higgins Haven, but I don't think you have. And that's one of the things I said because we did a discussion about this on Needle episodes and what we wanted to see in the game. And one of the th- and one of the things I would like is for them to bring back more of the characters that you're familiar with and at least have you run into them here and there or just have nods to them in the background or yeah jamie i'm gonna tell you now there are not i i that's one thing i did here it's kind of like generic people and some are dressed sort of like people that we love but there's not going to be like mark in the wheelchair wearing an 81 red shirt oh well yeah yeah i even i even think the uh the Tommy Jarvis that I saw. I don't know that it was actually Tommy Jarvis, but it just was dressed like no, you're he was right. dressed. It was a character that I saw that you really didn't interact with at this, at least at this time, that during the the playthrough that I watched. He was just kind of there, but um, he was dressed like him. But no one actually called him Tommy. He didn't speak to you. He didn't do. You know, it was just. Well, Jamie, I did see an interview with with Tom Matthews, and he was talking about being in the game and doing some stuff for the game. So that's exciting. It is. It is. Well, okay. So what would you guys like? So we're talking about like, okay, so this Jason can run. So like each one, I don't want to call them superpowers, but each one has their own like power or ability. What would what would like the other ones have? Like like you said, you could have Mark in his wheelchair rolling around. Like, can you imagine? And how about like if you had a Part eight would it be uh, would it be like uh, would it be teleporting everywhere? <laughs> right, yeah, Jason. Well, there is actually there is actually a teleportation power that he has. That's and right. It's in the it's in the later Jasons because it, you know yeah. how he just suddenly pops up here and there like all over yeah. in the movies. Um, one of the things that you can do is to, is 
is teleport from spot to spot. That's um, badass. And just basically sneak up on people. Like, suddenly you're just there. Right. And um, I've seen both versions. Of, I've seen people playing against Jason, and I've seen people playing as Jason. Yeah, I heard that you are Jason. You can be. You can, you can play because, both. Yeah, yeah, you can do... You can do... See, I've, this is... See, this should be the greatest game ever made because it's Ugh. made from from people like us, and it was crowdfunded or whatever, or Kickstarter or whatever. And somehow he got the rights. I guess he he paid the money he raised was enough to buy the rights from Paramount. But the thing or New Line. But the thing I don't understand is if you bought that, then how come you don't own the rights to the characters either? Like, why? How could you own Jason and Crystal Lake and whatever else and all his images from all these different movies but you can't own the counselors like what sense does that make does it do they set is it like a la carte is it separate if you buy the I'm sorry I'll, I'll bet you it's the opposite I'll bet you they own the character of Jason and not all the movies which have all the characters in it I, I, I would assume I don't know that yeah maybe you're right I don't know but that would make more sense right like they probably own Jason and and I'll be honest with you dude yeah like who who even owns owns Friday the 13th now, is it? Maybe Paramount still owns it. Paramount, yeah. They it's still own it. Um, or did Platinum Dune still have anything to do with it? I wanna, Isn't that why they were trying to push out the newest right. film? I wanted to say they had something, their hands in there somewhere. Right. You I, know what I would love to see? I would love, love, love to see like Loco and Fox. Um, I want to see them pop up, you know, like stealing gas to, to, to earn money. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, but yeah, the thing about nod right there. <laughs> yeah, but the, you could totally change the characters too, and just call them something else, and not give them names oh, and sure. have, yeah. that same thing, uh, Jamie. Yeah, I would make them all look like they literally look like the spinning Sexy images. Sexy and crazy. You could use a, you could use Jason could use a bow and arrow from like in part three where it's like a three D thing. You could do that. Oh man, this oh spear gun. Yeah, yeah but oh well, spear. I'm sorry. Yeah, what did I say? Bow and arrow. I'm such an. Expert. I think you're thinking of the remake. I think. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, that's exactly. So yeah, you, there's so much you could do with the game, but you also got to be somewhat realistic in that. Okay, this is the first version. Hopefully, it'll do well, and maybe it'll spawn some things like we're talking about. Yeah. Because or, yeah, I, I think we could expect some DLC from this game if right? it does well. I think that they could then continue to make it that much better, that much more expansive. Maybe we'd actually get the yacht from part eight or or yeah. go to Can yeah. or go to Canada. I mean New York. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I think it's cheaper to can you imagine if it was cheaper for them to make uh, Canada? Yeah. <laughs> so here's what I'll say about this too guys. It's like it's so it's so exciting to see. And like you said, Jamie, there's opportunity to um, to go from here, but I don't think it's for lack of wanting it by the people making it like i'm sure they have all these ideas it's probably just a time issue and like i said they're probably just trying to get this out to the best of their ability and focus on certain issues and i'm sure other ones got put by the wayside due to time constraints um, you have to have a proof of concept you know you have to I, before yeah. you go sinking everything into a project you have to know that it's out that that the, the need for it, the desire for it is out there i think once it comes out if it does really well because and i think it will once friday the 13th fans who, who are ravenous get mm -hmm. a hold of it i think it will do well if they do a good job with it and um then from there it can just get better and better at least that's what i'm hoping yeah maybe they could buy the paramount rights after that you know and, and by the way dan i don't know if you know harry manfredini is doing the music for it all oh, yeah i, I mean they're they're all really? fucking, they're all in for this shit man kane hotter was involved sean cunningham was Savini. involved. it's it's, it's they're all in 
And yeah, Kane Hodder did the body like they videotape his body or whatever, and then that's what you're going to see in the game. It's going to be actually like you know how it would be cooler if Part Six was Kane Hodder. Like I feel like every zombie Jason should be Kane Hodder since it you know he's the only thing we have to reference. Right. And he's obviously better than C.J. Graham, and he's better than um, that guy who replaced him in Freddy vs. Jason. And uh, so I feel like I think he's gonna be. He will be the representation of Zombie Jason. And wouldn't that be awesome if they had Ted White? The only thing I know, Ted White, since he's older, he's probably a little hunched over by now. It probably wouldn't look the same or whatever. But that could be cool, too, being hunched over a little bit. But wouldn't that be cool if he was doing all the body mo- movements for the human Jason? Or Ted, uh, or Steve Dash, even, from Part 2? Mm. Even though he's sort of like a wild ganglion in the woods and stuff, it doesn't really fit the... Part three and four look. You know what I think would be a better uh, utilization of somebody like Ted White is to have him like do a guest voice in it or something, just like a nice nod being involved. You know what I mean? Because it's like I said, it sounds like they're involving everybody, dude. And oh, they should. All, oh, they should get all like Alice and Ginny and all those girls to do voices in this. In this. Yeah, even, I would love right? that. I would love that shit. You know? Yeah. Even have them be like an NPC that you come in contact with, and maybe they True. you know right. give you some some hints or whatever. Totally. Or yep. you just, or they're, you know, maybe she's making coffee in the kitchen and you wander in and talk to her. I don't know. Um. Yeah, and, when, and maybe you could wake her up while she's sleeping on the couch. <laughs> he could play Strip Monopoly or whatever. You know, she could do some ADR like she does in that one scene where she's like, Bill? <laughs> you know what I'm you know talking where she's clearly in the movie. She clearly has not said a word, but they, in, they introduce that in there because, uh, just because. I don't know. I don't think they needed to, but. Whatever, I guess they thought we were stupid. Um. (laughs) Hey, would that be cool if you could swim around as little kid Jason and jump up at people's boats and pull them down under? Yeah, yeah, dude. I just want to design my own game and then just do whatever the fuck I want. That's what. (laughs) Well, there has to be that. I'd be the greatest guy to be the the the, The consultant, the developer. Yeah, consultant. There's got to be a scene though where you walk into a cabin and you say, "What's going on in here?" And Paul just goes, "Nothing." I would love that. That that would be my two cents. Like like just little things like that. Like you know how you walk into rooms and characters say certain things. Like I love for something like that. Because that's what I'm saying. Like stuff like that, dude. It sounds like the creators and everybody involved. Like I mean, like you just said, all those people, like Kane Hodder, Tom Savini, and everybody else involved with it is is um is clearly loves the franchise, and it's not due to like lack of interest. They're all so down for it. So all this stuff we're thinking of, I'm sure. Hopefully, they're thinking of too. And uh, like you said, hopefully once this is out, you can build on it. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Ho- yeah, hopefully well, it'll come out like sometime. Ever. Well, that's the thing. The whole issue is the release date. It's been pushed back so many times, but everybody is still help- hopeful because every time he pushed it back, it was to do things that we all asked for. Like the gameplay was supposed to be online only, meaning that you have to play with random strangers through your computer. You know, whatever. And then now he made it so you could play by yourself in your house with nothing hooked up to it. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. I think he might have delayed it to be counselors and Jason. I'm not really sure, but there's a there's a few delays, things like that. So I love the fact that it's delayed, though. Is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, good. Like, take your time, dude. I don't want to because once it's out, dude, it's out. Well, no, that's not true, Jamie. You're a gamer, right? Or you were talking? Oh yeah, you you could download things to get rid of glitches. Yeah, you they put through patches and. Okay. Cool. and change up things and fix things they can do that constantly but i do i mean it's much better for the game on the whole if it comes out without 
a lot of bugs and without, uh, you know, yeah. being incomplete. Because there are people who just don't they they'll dip into it if it's not great. They'll they'll bounce. And not everyone. I am rather patient as a gamer. So if I were to get it and I would be like, oh, man, this needs to be fixed or whatever, I'd give them time and let them sort it out. A lot of people don't have that kind of patience or that kind of time, and they don't want to. Right. But if it's something I'm really passionate about, I'll, I'll fucking wait. I don't care. So, yeah, But I'm exactly. with you. I, I would rather them get it out and get it out right and do a good job and take all the time they need than to rush something out and it be either incomplete or not done well. Now, Jimmy, you said you saw some of the gameplay. Did you like it? I thought it was yeah. amazing. It was, yeah. Sorry, it man. looks great. I love the music. I love uh, the little oh. bits, like I said, the, the personalized bits with the different Jasons, I think, is really cool. So, um, with games like that's this, That's my favorite though, part of it, too. Cause I, right. Well, but here, here's the thing, though. Now, we're talking about style, and we're talking about certain things you can do in the game. Now, in terms of actual gameplay, and, and I'm not a huge gamer, but I, I'm pretty knowledgeable about what kind of games there are. You know, like certain games like Grand Theft Auto, there's different types of shooters. There's, what's that game where you ride around on the horse, even? There's a lot to do in those Red games. Red Dead Redemption? Man, yeah, I love Red Dead Redemption, man. Right? So, so okay, so there's games like that. So, I guess my only question is... Is how far will the gameplay go? Like, like what? How much could you? Yeah, like can we do? walk around Crystal Lake and stuff, right. and just go swimming if we want? Like oh, like will it dipping? be like more open world? Well, okay, I'm not. I, I, that's a. You know what? You guys just brought up a good question. I think it will be like that, and and I was generally kind of talking about that, but more specifically talking about. Well, okay, so is the whole game just gonna be you running from Jason? Like, are there certain other things you've got to do? Like, do you build weapons? Do you have to get oh, to? Oh, You see. have to save save these kids, the campers. Like, save this chick that's out skinny dipping. Like, you've got to save her because Jason's gonna get her in a. See what I'm saying? Like, how many different well, ways of gameplay i think it depends on, I, I really don't know what they're doing as far as the single player version goes and that's what i'm most anxious to see because right. that's what i really care about right as far as the online version um you don't really Battle have time to do anything like right. you're basically totally. fighting for your own life yep. and so you wouldn't have if you're on there and you're playing with seven other people you're, you're unfortunately not going to have time to explore the area totally. or do anything totally. cool. Now, yes. they so they won't be able to do anything like that in that version of the game. But what I would like to see, ideally, is them to take the single-player version of the game and expand it to a point where, like what Alex said, where, yes, you could explore all these different places. You could just do random things. Because one of my favorite things about gaming is particularly in – well – really in an open world setting is having the time to just walk around and enjoy yeah. all of the things that they did. Like in say Grand Theft Auto, I will Punch spend hookers. I will spend yeah, yeah sure. I'll spend I hours. Love it. I go driving up through the neighborhoods in the Hollywood Hills <laughs> and I just randomly I will randomly stop at a house and go wandering around the backyard and, and just to <laughs> see fun. because someone someone took hours and hours and hours right. to develop everything you see. And you're going to randomly run into characters who are, like, talking on their cell phone, and you can walk up and talk to them. And there is no reason in the world for the developer to ever think you'd ever be there, ever. Right, right. Only they, they created this. So they I did. like to take the time to explore it and appreciate Hold. what they've done, you know? Yeah, I used, to, I used to do that in Spider-Man, Jamie. Just swing around. There'd be so much stuff to do. Like, oh, come over here. And I'd just be yeah. swinging, like, this is so fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, I spend the majority of my time wasting my time, you know, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got I've got objectives. I've got shit I'm supposed to be doing, yeah, right. you know. Oops, procrastinating. Yeah, I think it's the best when they develop these things based on things we already know and love. Like, for for example, the greatest and this will probably go down in history till I'm dead uh, unless this game tops it. Uh, to me, the greatest video game ever created is The Simpsons Hit and Run. I don't know if anybody knows that, but what they did was they created Springfield. Like, they created downtown Springfield where most Tavern is. They created regular Springfield where, like, Krusty Burger is. They've created where the comic book guy store is. They created the Simpsons whole neighborhood. They created the nuclear power plant. They created everything that the, the, the Quickie Mart... Everything you could imagine. And they got levels, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, where that's the what? last level and there's zombies everywhere. Really? Dude, it's, yeah, aliens with the crash and the spaceship. Oh, dude, that's brilliant. It's amazing, dude. And now the graphics are outdated, unfortunately, but I still, but to me, it's still the game. I, every time I put it on, I know what to expect, so it, it doesn't diminish it. I thought that was a racing game, dude. No shit. No, you're thinking of, um,. There was a game right before that. It was called The Simpsons Road Rage. Yes, yes, yes. That was they it. did create the city and stuff, but trust me, dude, it is nothing like this. Shit. But, yeah, but the thing about Simpsons Hit and Run, and everybody, I absolutely recommend, the gameplay is top-notch. The references are top-notch. They had all the actors come in and talk, talk you through all the transitions. It is very... In terms of uh, the narrative, what you have to do, it's very simple. There's a thing that tells you where to go. All that stuff is all very easy, but not easy. Because to do it is the thing where you got to build your skill to be able to do it. There's races in it. Dude, the variety of gameplay, it, it goes on forever. You could play this game for months. Even if you complete it, you could, you could spend another month or two completing everything about it. Right, right. Yeah, games like that. That's what those video games have gotten so much better and, and giving you so much more stuff to do. Alex, real quick, back me up. I could be wrong on this. Was there also a game where Bart was a superhero? Like he had a mask on, remember? Oh, Bartman? Um, Bartman, yes, yes. I don't know. I don't recall that. I th Oh, oh, wasn't there like this, the, the classic Simpsons arcade game? Doesn't he get like a up power up or something where he becomes Bartman? Maybe? Yes, yes. Something like that. I remember playing as Bartman somewhere. Yeah. Right. Okay, that could be it. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, the Simpsons arcade game is great. But Hit and Run, nothing is better than Hit and Run. It's like 2004. So... If you love The Simpsons, go on eBay or whatever, pick this game up. You will never regret it, and you will never sell it. It's it's the greatest thing in the world. It's so great, though, that we're getting... Because Friday the 13th is so primed for a video game. Like, stuff like that, you could do so much with it. Halloween, you can't do anything with. Um, Freddy Krueger, you could do a lot with, dude. That could be real fun video game experience, going in Dream Worlds, and, and as far as graphics are concerned, and, and different stuff. Like, you could do a lot with that. That'd be cool. But Halloween's pretty much out, right? I mean, you can't do much with Michael Myers. With oh, I one time developed a Halloween game when I was younger, like when I was 22 years old, I should have probably tried to get it off the ground. Like I, I wrote down, it was basically the same thing, like a uh, grand theft auto. You walk through Haddonfield and I wrote all these missions you could do like at one and you, and you actually live out the movie, but you have a mission for each move, uh, each scene of the movie. Like for example, when you are, uh, when Michael walks over to Tommy Doyle's school you have to try to get past the bullies and not let them smash your pumpkin. 
Oh, like you okay. have to evade them. Yeah, like little things like that. Like you, you have to complete all these scenes. You have to find the missing tombstone, and there's reasons you can or whatever to find Judith's tombstone. Like <laughs> you, you know. And I created all these uh, things that you got to do. Like you have to escape Smith's Grove. Uh, if you're Michael, and it, it, it's a lot more than just him standing outside with all the people walking around. Like, you have to get out of your room and get through this and get through the security cameras and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah. and like You, you play like, as Loomis and you got to scare the kids away. Fucking Lonnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you... you <laughs> the way I made it is that you play everybody. You just have to keep the... Get, you have to keep it moving, basically, is what the yeah. thing is. Yeah. I guess you could make it. You're right, yeah, yeah. I guess you could, yeah. I was just thinking, that, like, you, you would you agree, though, that Friday the 13th, like, you can do not a lot more with it, but do you know what I'm saying? Like with Oh, you can do a lot more with okay, it. Okay, all right. And then I, I, what do you guys think about the Nightmare on Elm Street, though, as a video game? I know they made something, right? Didn't they? One yeah, they time? made that, too, which... which... I, I think it your and I idea is it. really cool. I think you could do a lot with there would be some really cool dream sequences. Right? Yeah. 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 And then and then as oh, far yeah. as pull, right. pulling yeah. them out of the dream because he's more powerful. Do it like there. a do like a VR version and right. Uh, right. just like put you into the dreams. That would be really cool. Absolutely. I, I would probably like a Nightmare on Elm Street video game more than I like the movies. You could go deep with that too, like you know, he's less powerful when you pull him out of dreams. You could do the Home Alone house at the end, like you could do a lot with it. Oh, and <laughs> Robert England could do the voice still. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah, because technically he's not going. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't have to act as a. Six, he doesn't have to run around at sixty years old. He could actually just sit in the studio and do the voice. Yeah, right, dude. Yeah, this is cool though. I can't wait for the Friday Thirteenth game though. To be honest with you, dude, I'm so excited that they're making it, and I kind of uh, I've been looking at not everything. I noticed like this is so much that they're released now. I'd rather keep some things, whatever. I've seen. Yeah, some... I don't want to know anything. <laughs> Who knows? Just just let me know when it comes out and get get at me. Exactly. <laughs> I, I pre-ordered it, and I don't even have a PlayStation Four to play it on, so. You know, I'm not... I know. I'll be honest with you. Neither do I do. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Alex. Neither do I do. I'm so, yeah, that this would be the game to get me back into it. I'll be honest with you and buy one because I'm not even I'm not even a gamer anymore because it used to take up so much of my life. But I would risk it. I would risk my video game addiction just to get that so I can, I can play this game. I hope I love it and play it constantly. Like, I hope this is my new Simpsons hit and run. I have those two games that I can play forever and never get sick of it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm literally spending $300 to play this game. So if anybody wants to question my love of Friday 13th, and they're not now, because they're probably like, do these guys ever talk about something else? <laughs> so we'll be right back to talk about something else, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Ted White, and you're listening to The Skeleton Crew. What else? Hey, yo. It's Dave Ziefner. What's up, guys? Uh, just wanted to say a few things. Listen to episode 69, and I've been listening to 68, 69, like every damn show. Only seen these movies a few times. Not even a few, once. But listening to you guys makes me want to go back and watch them all again. So I definitely am. Except maybe for uh, Son of Frankenstein, but whatever. Uh, but I might want to see Razzle Dazzle's performance in that movie. So, whatever. Just want to thank you very, very much for everything, and uh, love you guys. And uh, yeah.
The Invisible Man, 1933. And that is the most astounding sentence I'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> through this whole entire review. Can we just, can we just focus on 1933? Jesus, man. How? It, even when they explain it, they say the way they did the effects, the guy wore black velvet, and then he was shot against a black background. But, you know, me knowing that, and you say, okay, here's a camera, here's some black velvet, I still couldn't do this. So I'm like, okay, now what? You know, it's so amazing. The It's like early green screen. <laughs> yeah. It still kind of holds up, too, man. Oh, God, yeah. Think about it. Well, think about this, guys. Like, okay, so I was relating it to, um, to like some of the bad effects, like in, in, you know, like the Sharknado movies and stuff like that. Dude, I would take some black velvet over that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> he wore black velvet. <laughs> I think we should say this before we review this. If there are people who have not watched The Invisible Man and they say, "Well, I'll put this on in the background while I work out anyway." because I like the crew. I strongly recommend... I mean, I I think you should really experience this movie for real without us telling you all the plot points and everything. So, I think we should give our recommendations now. If it could sway one person to turn this off and go seek out the movie and then watch it, then come back and play the review, I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Jamie, what... At a... You know, five stars. What do you rate The Invisible Man, 1930? Uh, this, oh man, this is a five. This is in my top three of Universal films, easily. Um, and my my that my top three, of course, is our creature from the Black Lagoon, like we've we've covered already. And then Bride. And oh, Wolfman. Uh, no, Duh. Wolfman. Yeah. You you knew it. You knew it. <laughs> um, I know you knew it. So it's, I know you know. Um, <laughs> but um, but in this film, the reason this film is so high up is one for the sheer brutality. I mean, the body count in this movie is insane. And all you know, they're they're not all. It's not like gory or anything like that. Oh yes, it. I think it is. Um, well, I mean, okay, perhaps for the for the time you know but i mean it's not like there's not viscera flying up over the screen anything no but compare the kills in this movie to the remember how we were laughing our asses off with all these frankenstein movies where he just clobbers people in the back of their necks oh yeah <laughs> like and then that's it and they just fall over or like it or the wolf man how he just comes up to him and always chokes him out chokes and they just him. yeah yeah like gee i have these claws and i have these teeth but let me choke people um, uh, but no, we're not putting down the movies. But I'm just trying to point out um, the difference in in the brutality. The Invisible Man's go-to though was to strangle people. But to to, to one up that though, he would tell you he's like, "I will strangle you." <laughs> like he talked about it before. That's what made it so great. Oh yeah, but but he does more too. Favorite does. lines. One of my favorite lines from this film, and I actually looked this up so I could get it right. But one of my favorite lines from this film is where he's like, "An invisible man can rule the world. Nobody will see him come. Nobody will see him go. <laughs> he can, he can hear every secret. He can rob and rape and kill." Yeah, that, did say that. is fucking hardcore. Yeah, that even his sperm is invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will see him come. Nope. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, but to actually put rob, <laughs> rape, and kill. I mean, this is I know. 
this is not a lighthearted film. It does have lighthearted moments. Like there are funny things about it. Oh my God. But at its heart, it's brutal. Yeah. This is not your grandmother's invisible man. He is a mean motherfucker. You know, he really is. So uh, I, I have a great deal of respect for this film for that reason. It's just, it, to me, it's one of the, no, I would say it is the most brutal of the universal films. Yep. Absolutely. It's hardcore. So, I mean, his intent is pure evil. I mean, he's just evil. Right. Like, he just, yeah. I just want to, you know, we'll start yep. with that. <laughs> we'll start with a few murders. People. We'll kill people who aren't famous just to show that we don't discriminate. You yeah. know, we'll kill you. Right. He's just right. mean. Dan, what do, you, what do you rate this movie real quick before we go on? Because it's that good that we almost can't. Yeah, we can't even contain ourselves. So, D- right. Dan, how do you, and that should have alone, what we've already said exactly. should sell you. But, okay, Dan, you go ahead first. Though. What do you rate this movie? So that's what we were talking about earlier, how this is all predicated upon, like, you know, uh, you guys telling me about this, and, and I'm checking them. So this is a big thing on the last one, too, and I just don't want to give people the impression that this is a bad thing, this is a negative, because for me, it's such a positive, in, and not to speak to um, the movie itself, but but more so to the times. I know what you're going to say. You were laughing your ass dude, off. Dude, I but here's the thing, though. I found, it was so funny, dude, but I found so much enjoyment out of it that I'm not like I said it's not like a bad thing it's a good thing I enjoyed the hell out of this um well, story of it was meant to be funny too. exactly it was, they, exactly. Yeah. It was well, intentionally I, funny it's not you know uh, th- there was a, oh I mean and some things some things I can get you ironically laughing at I can get it right. but I think most of it was probably in, in, intentional you know? Exactly. Well, and I was, I was, thank God you said that. Cause I was going to ask you guys that at one point too. Like guys, th- like there was a certain point in the movie where I was like, wait a minute, this has got to be intentionally funny. Like this is ridiculous if it's not, but, uh, I'm sorry. So basically story whatnot, I guess, um, I would, I would say three, but then the comedy aspect and my enjoyment level, I would say I would up it to a four. So, so not, not a perfect score, but, um, but very damn good, dude. Damn good. So my score four out of five. How about you, Alex? All right. Uh, this is a five out of five for me. This has always been a favorite of mine. Um, I, I remember just being so struck by how good this was. <clears throat> My memory of this movie is in 1994, I'm going to say, is when I kind of got into the Universal Classics. And um, I got all the basics, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman movies. Then I started to buy more tapes as I already collected the ones I was more familiar with and knew about and the bigger names. Then I got to the Mummy movies and stuff, and I was like, uh, well, they're okay, I guess. Then I uh, got Creature in Black Lagoon, and like I said, at the time, it never struck me how good that was. So I was, I was like, kind of like iffy about uh, going further and getting more explorative with these movies. Then somehow, I don't know if I told my parents or what, but on, for, for Christmas, they got me The Invisible Man. And I remember it was under the tree. I opened it up. I was like, wow, the Invisible Man is awesome. So I remember going upstairs. Uh, I don't know what year it was, 94, 5, or 6, or whatever, but it it was snowing. It was a white Christmas. And I remember going upstairs and putting this on. And in the beginning, it was snowing, and he's like going, you know, going down oh, that road yeah. in the snow. Yep. And I was like, "Wow, how amazing that I got this on Christmas!" And it's like a Christmas sort of horror movie already, just from the atmosphere. From 
first view at 14 or 15 years old to today, mm. this was always super strong, super badass, brutal. It's dark. Right. It's amazing. Like, and even the and even getting rid of that, just the special effects, which I never let sell me on a movie completely. But oh my god, it is just amazing. Like to me. Easily five out of five. This is a top five Universal classic. Yep, it's right up there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm totally blown away. All that should have you already shouldn't be listening to me at this moment. Yeah, yeah. You... Please go watch this, guys. It's it's really it's worth it. Just do it. I, and and I'm like the 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 living proof of that. Like I said, I would you wouldn't catch me dead watching these movies if they weren't recommended um, by you guys and to do it for the show. And oh my god, I feel like I'm I, I got to eat my words or or eat my thoughts rather because I never said much, but I'm just like I don't want to do that. That's that's not the that's not really what I want to do. And that was a long time ago. And I've learned. I've learned since then. I, I know better now. So I just, as soon as you tell me which ones to watch, I'm like, yep. It's well, Jamie it. and I both, I'm sure, want to just thank you. Because Dan, people don't know this, but Dan's a saint. I mean, all through those Universal Classics, what we put Dan through. So, you know, some of the non-good ones, like Sitting Through Dracula, Son of Frankenstein. And I like Ghost of Frankenstein, but I understand how people don't. And, you know, things like that. He was right there with us, enthusiastic, gave it his all, watched it. You could tell he knew the movie and stuff. So, Dan, we just really appreciate you doing that, making that effort and ha- having the investment. It's good. Week. It's good, though, too, man, because, uh, um, first of all, it's it's good to have uh, you guys because <laughs> you're there to guide me, dude. Like, And because if I didn't know, I'd just be probably watching um, not a lot of the shitty ones, but but uh, a lot of the 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 not top tier ones. And and I, I would be fumbling through blindly. And I don't know if I'd necessarily make it to the end <laughs> through all the movies, interest. dude. Yes, yeah, so so I'm super stoked too. But here's my thing too, man, and and this goes back to what you were saying um, in the previous segment, Alex, which is this: um, I think people need to have their own opinions on these movies, especially people like me. That's like, oh, the Invisible Man, Wolfman, like you know these characters or whatever. But dude, go watch the movie, like see what it's about, uh, live in it for a while. And I think too, it, it really provides um, a good. I don't want to say context, but like it provides such a good like. Um, perspective in terms yeah perspective in terms of how things are presented even today like when you see those old iterations of these characters it's uh, from from then until now it's nice to have um uh, a base a, a reference point and and it's good to have your own opinion on these movies man it'll 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 shape in a good way how you um how how i still perceive characters and by the way this has the, the invisible man by far is my favorite character out of all the other movies that we did, Frankenstein, Wolfman, all that. This is my favorite one, dude. He's very complex. It's a very complex character, and there's a lot of personality, you know, uh, whereas there's there is pathos when you're dealing with Frankenstein, when you're dealing with the Wolfman, you feel for these characters because mm-hmm. of what they're going through and they have no control over what they're going through. Right. But with this with this one, he also has no control over, even though it is of his own. Yeah, he did it because of his own actions that he's going through this. He cannot control what's happening in his brain. This is not the man he set out as this evil 
guy here who just wants to wreck a train and kill 120 people or whatever. This is oh, it's the monocane, the monocane. <laughs> yeah, this is not who, this is not who he really is, and and it's and you don't. And the interesting thing of oh my god, the interesting thing about that is that you don't know that right. until you get right. to the end. You don't. Right. You, when we first meet him, he's already right. he's already gone. Like when right. we when we first meet him, he is just like you know, like off the rails. And then it just continues to get worse. There is a progression of him getting worse and worse and worse, and just more volatile and more just straight up evil and more just brutal. And and then at the very end, that's when you find out, fuck, this guy was a good guy. Well, check check it out. We we almost cosign. His craziness in the beginning, because when when he's first uh, introduced to be a little nutty, you're like, well, yeah, that lady is kind of annoying, right? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? He, he just <laughs> got done. Yes. Connor for the win, man. I love her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we just, he just got done telling you, bitch, <laughs> don't disturb me, and you bring up mustard two minutes later. Like, what are you deaf? So you could understand that, but he still was nice. He's, you know, he covered his face back up. He's like, just leave it over there. Dude, I love that scene, by the way. I thought of Paul, like, like nothing. Like he just pulled it up. Like that was like the physical reputation of nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> nothing. And then he says, she says, I have your lunch here. He's like, oh, take it away. What is it? Your lunch? Oh, take it away. You don't want to tell me, do you? Do you suppose that I'm going to carry trays backwards and forwards all day? Lunch is at one, and it's one nil. I told you to leave me alone, bitch. Yeah, but, but he did say leave me alone. You can't say he didn't warn her. So, and then after that, then all of a sudden, you almost stop co-signing once he, like... Like he throws the guy down the stairs, and you're like, "Holy shit, dude!" But right. you are nuts. Leave that alone and get out of here. Look here, is this my house or yours? Are you doing help? It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm glad you, so what would you, first of all, what would you guys call that place? Like, I think of like an old time, like saloon, but it's like a bar. It's you a, a hotel. It's like, okay. it's a, or an inn, an inn. An inn, right, right. An right. inn, yeah. The Lion's Head Inn, I guess. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. So, um. Yeah. So like that, that opening scene when he first comes in, okay. But when he's up in that room um, and, and his voice alone is so good, dude. Like so uh, good and important. So. Uh, the air i was telling alex how much i love claude rain's voice and how he just the, his delivery um yeah. is just so uh i don't know it's like you can kind of picture it even if you don't know what he looks like you get it's, a picture of who it is in your head based on his voice and it's yeah it's very stately and he's very well spoken and which kind of adds to the menacing a little bit exactly yeah, it's like it's it adds because it's not like some slob running around doing this. Like, there's something different about, like you said, a stately, like, uh, sophisticated type guy with that kind of voice. And the funny thing is, when uh, this is, oh, here's, here, here's a couple amazing things about this. This is Claude Rain's first talking role. What? Ever. 
Yeah, this is the first sound movie he's ever... I mean, he's done plays. I'm sorry, he's done plays. But this is the first movie that is sound for him. Right. When he was younger, he had such... But he already had kids. He had such a thick accent that he would sing, like, English songs or American songs or whatever, and mm -hmm. nobody could even make out what he was saying because his accent was so thick. Right. And he worked through that and started pronouncing things, like, normal and stuff. And it's funny, we talk about how insane he is because this, this is the closest adaptation to the novel. Like, James Whale... Is it? Yeah. The H.G. Well, uh, by the way, which was written by H.G. Wells. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know that, by the way, when I and started And Jenny is actually that. a character in the novel. Like, she's not something they made up for the movie. Her character is in the novel. Now, I don't think oh, she well. was, a, uh, she wasn't as, you know, black. As annoying? You know? <laughs> but she was there. <laughs> How do you put, I don't think you could write words that annoying to really no, portray right. that. <laughs> it is a very, it is a very close adaptation. Oh, very close. Way closer than Frankenstein or Dracula. Way closer. In in the book, there's a few differences. Because in the book, uh, oh, his name is Griffin, by the way. Uh, Jack Griffin. And in the book, he's already insane before mm -hmm. he makes himself invisible. And in the movie, it's the monocane, the drug that, that uh, draws the color out of things that makes him slowly go into madness. Which I like uh, better. I do, I do actually like that better. Get something, Kemp. What is it? Bad news? It's only a rough note. A list of chemicals. And the last on the list is monocaine. Monocaine? What is monocaine? Monocaine's a terrible drug. I never heard of it. You wouldn't, Kemp. It's never used now. I didn't know it was even made. It's a drug that's made from a flower that's grown in India. It draws color from everything it touches. Years ago, they tried it for bleaching cloth. They gave it up because it destroyed the material. That doesn't sound very terrible. Yes, I know, but it does something else, Kemp. It was tried out on some poor animal, a dog, I believe. It was injected under the skin, and it turned the dog dead white, like a marble statue. Isn't that so? Yes, and it also sent it raving mad. You surely don't think? I only pray to God that Griffin hasn't been meddling with this ghastly stuff. He'd never touch a thing with madness in it. He might not know. I found that experiment in an old German book just by chance. The English books only describe the bleaching power. They were printed before the German experiment. Yeah, and in the novel, uh, Griffin's like totally mysterious. He has no fiance, no friends, nothing. And in the movie, obviously, he has colleagues and co-workers. He knows, you know, Griffin. He knows the, the, the guy, the old, the old guy who's, um, who, if anybody, I'm sure everybody knows this, is Clarence the Angel and It's a Wonderful Life. That's who that old man is. Yeah. What yeah. is, oh my God, I was trying to place him the whole time. Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> dude, that was bugging me, dude. Okay. Yeah. And the only other thing that's really like mainly different about the novel, this is a bit of a spoiler to our own review, but whatever. <laughs> Spoilers from fucking 33. Yeah. In the, in the, uh, well, it just, our build up to the review won't be as great, but I know. <laughs> in, in the novel, Kemp lives, and, and here we all know how, how that goes. So, um, that, like, those are some, some of the main differences. All good choices, I think. Um, oh, yeah. The, for one, him having a fiance, him having colleagues, him, you know, being a good guy in the beginning adds so much depth 
to his character gives it so many more layers and it makes you feel more for him because by the time we reach the end and the fact that he actually doesn't survive in the end helps that too it really yes. it, it gives it a an, an emotional weight you know yeah exactly weight it gives it weight and it it makes you care as as the audience and i think that that's we you know i've said this numerous times i think it's very important you have to care for your characters otherwise it doesn't matter what happens to them well, and if you as a filmmaker can't make me give a damn about these characters then why should i give a damn about the movie you know because if what happens to them doesn't affect me then the movie is not going to affect me period and, J- Jamie, and oh, yeah, the, so i think those are all very smart choices And the ambiguity of the whole thing from the beginning to the end, even though he is a bastard, just by relating to him in terms of like how other people see him, um, his loved ones, this, that, and the other thing. I thought that was the 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 real the a great character arc for a man. Like I, he he was dark and mysterious, but and he still was. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you you get both aspects, right? Totally. He comes in. You couldn't get more mysterious than even him walking like he was to the inn. Then the way he right. comes in, he's all right. on bandages, he's all mysterious, he wants to be left alone. You already got the mysterious uh, type guy that was from the novel, and then as this progresses, and as you see his actions, you're kind of like, you don't know what to think, then all of a sudden you you find out, hey, this guy has a fiance, he was in love, he has colleagues, he's a science, he's like a chemist or whatever. You know, it adds a layer. So Jamie's right. Like, it's a great choice, but we also got a little taste of both things because this, you know, we don't even know any of this until it progresses into it. So that that's that's amazing. I mean, you just can't get better. But, you know, there's a lot of aspects of this character that are so different and so interesting, even going back to, like, the guys who played them and all that kind of stuff because mm. this was supposed to be Boris Karloff's role. Oh, was it? Yeah, James Whale wanted him, this, that, the other thing. But uh, Universal was screwed up back then. And when these guys got too big and famous and then went from, like, when they wanted, you know, $800 a day and then they went tw- they wanted $1,200 a day. Once they got mm-hmm. bigger and bigger, then they wanted $1,700 a day to work. And once they got to that point, Universal would release them and get a new crop of people for cheaper. So believe mm-hmm. it or not... Like these days, it's weird. They, you know, they're dying to throw twenty million dollars at Tom Cruise, this and that, because they know that there's some kind of like guaranteed return. Yeah, but, the mummy. Yeah, but for these guys, people had choices now. Back then, that you didn't have the same number of choices. If you went to see whatever was playing in the movies, and they knew that if they put a movie out, people were going to go see it. And it, the star power wasn't as important as it is now. I mean, because now you've got, what, you know, 30 different movies coming out, you right. know, at the same time. And you, it, there's so much competition. You have to have that star power. Yeah, back then, obviously, they were expendable. Yeah, I mean, and it just didn't, you know, they didn't give a fuck. You know, it was like... <laughs> I agree with that, but to a certain extent, you know, you still get those surprises. Look at what Get Out just did at the theaters. And oh, the no, ride. you're absolutely, you're, you're but, absolutely right. It does happen, but I mean, it's... um. But that is still a name regardless. Not a huge name, but it's, but it's what is it? Uh, is it... Gordon Keel? You mean? Keel, which one? Yeah, but it's, it's one of those. Yeah. It's, it's still a name, so to speak yeah. to your point. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's just that, uh, I mean, also, you know, subject matter is going to matter too. I mean, we all the time, we, we will have independent films that come out and, and blow the shit down like paranormal activity, yes. you know, that just 
blow the doors off the place and no one saw it coming. Right. Um, so there, that does happen. But, you know, when you have an action film or something like that, you're going to, it's going to cost you millions of dollars yeah, to make the star. Yeah. hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. And you have got to have a guarantee that people's butts are going to be in the seats. Right. You know, so if you're making a Mission Impossible, you need a Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, because it's just, it's too much of a risk not to have a built in audience. You just can't do it. Exactly. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, but when I heard he's in the Mummy thing, I I, I feel like if they they went a different route with that, that's the same thing with that Dracula oh, movie. Man, I believe so Dracula yeah. Untold. Exactly. Like it's like I'm oh so yeah. I'm so scared about the Mummy. I'm right, so scared. Right. And you know Johnny Depp is going to be playing the Invisible Man. Oh really? Oh God! Is there anyone else that is out there that can work? <laughs> I like what is with Johnny Depp, man? <laughs> See, I was I'm, I'm not going to watch it just based on that. I have no interest. I am so tired of him. I, you know what though? I can totally picture him doing the Claude Rains voice Me while too. he's I can Me see too. him channeling I can see him channeling that Claude Rains um uh, you know cuz you hear it. I mean, you can hear it. Uh and I, I kind of feel like that's where he's going to try to go with that. So I don't know. It could be interesting. I'm honestly more nervous about the mummy than I am about because uh, I wanted more of a I wanted more of a uh, more of a Karloff mummy and less of a Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Everybody wants less Brendan Fraser mummy. I, I did enjoy that film when it came out quite a bit, but I was I was hoping to go back more to the horror and less of the action. You know, did you see that scene that they released for the mummy? Like, or the trail? Like, yeah. he's on a plane, the, and I mean, the airplane scene, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, really? right. we could tell where they're going with that one with, with all these movies and stuff like that back in the day. Um, that, that, like I said, with this guy in particular, dude, the subtlety and everything like that, it, it really drew me in. Um, the mysteriousness of it. So, when you get actors like Tom Cruise and Johnny Depp or whatever, you really and I know it's a different time, it's a, it's a different even movie universe now that the trying to build it's different everything but i feel like with when you use big names like that it, it, it puts it to a it puts it to a, a a whole other level to where i don't think you can achieve certain things i think if they got a, just a damn good actor like i could see so many people doing the invisible man that that could probably do a better job than johnny depp yeah. and i think it would be a better idea to go with somebody else so you don't i don't want to say rely you don't want to associate johnny depp with this you know why not have a new great actor or something or just somebody who's done one-tenth of the amount of movies he has? That way we could identify... Get into it. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and have more of a suspension of disbelief. I'm going to be picturing him from fucking Lone Ranger, which I couldn't even... like. It's because he can't seem to do anything anymore without going so crazy fucking over the Sad. top and, and wearing a, a funny hat. You know, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah. it's just... Well, we saw how crazy he went in Tusk. I'm good. And well, yeah, and re and more recently, the same character in Yoga Hosers, which oh, dude, oh my God, was so oh. bad. It was so bad. Do you believe I had to review that on Gary Hill's show? Remember that? Oh my God, it was so horrible. Yeah. I think his his best performances now are caught on iPhones in his kitchen, sm smashing fucking wine bottles. I like I I think that's about all he's good for. <laughs> Is that and what happened? Getting 
and getting divorced. If he could just be normal, he has talent. I wish he could just be normal. It's like Tim Burton wormed his way into his brain and fucked him up. I don't know. <laughs> I told you, I told you guys, I'm still upset about Tusk. How I always imagine that scene with him and Michael Parks, two of, well, you know, some of the greatest actors, I, I think, and then to have it go down like that, I'm still mad about that. And that was a few years. That was what 2014. That was three three years ago. So I'm I'm just uh, see. But my my whole my whole point for saying that though is. You see Johnny Depp, well, you're not going to really see him that much, I guess. But when you see him in that movie, I'm sorry, but you're completely taken out of it. Same with Tom Cruise. You're thinking, oh, this is a Tom Cruise movie. This isn't a mummy movie, you know? So that was my whole thing. It takes you right out of it. It does. Yeah. But uh, speaking of a real actor, uh, just to wrap up the aspect of Claude Rains, he was one of 12 kids in the family, and he was 90% blind in one of his eyes because he was gassed in the war. What? Yeah, he had he had a whole thing, man. It's pretty crazy. It's funny. James Whale directed both these movies, and there are similarities between Frankenstein and uh, The Invisible Man. And I don't know if you guys picked up on this. I think probably Jamie more than Dan, because she's more familiar. Jamie, did you pick up that there's a love triangle again? Like, Kemp was interested in Flora. Just the same way that weird guy was interested in uh, Colin Clive's uh, wa- uh, future wife. Remember that? How yeah. he was like comforting her. That, that way just too seems much? to be kind of a that just seems to be kind of a staple in universe. Like, well, look at the Wolfman. You know, you have right. uh, you have that sort of thing going on there too. I I, I think that was just a uh, like a common trope. Right. Yeah. You know. He was so strange those last few days before he went. So excited and strung up. And yet he wouldn't say a word to explain. I've never seen him like it before. He was always so keen to tell me about his experiments. He meddled in things men should leave alone. What do you mean? Your father's a scientist, Flora. He's discovered more about preserving food than any man living, and Jack and I were employed to help him. That's a plain, straightforward job. It's not romantic, but it saves hundreds of deaths and thousands of stomach aches. What did you mean about things men should leave alone? He worked in secret. He kept a lot of stuff locked in a big cupboard in his laboratory. He never opened that cupboard until he barred the door and drawn them blinds. Straightforward scientists have no need for barred doors and drawn blinds. He cares nothing for you, Flora. Nobody will recognize her at all from what I'm about to say. This is going to blow minds. The girl who played Flora... Her name is Gloria Stewart, and that was the the fiance of um, yep. the Invisible Man in this movie. Yep. She is the old lady from Titanic. What? What? Can with Bill Paxton? That? The scene with Bill, Bill Paxton? I think we're gonna have like a, a fifty degrees of Bill Paxton before this this month is over. You know what's crazy about that? I I had to stop the movie and look at a picture of one of my friends, dude. My, one of my friends, uh, Emily, it's it's literally her doppelganger. They look exactly alike. It's scary. It's so scary. Face mannerisms and everything. Like, I was kind of, I had to stop the movie and I was taken out of it. I was like, wow, this is insane. But, um, but uh, yeah, dude, that's, that's crazy, dude. Wow. Yep. Now, do you guys, now, Skeleton Crew is famous. Jamie brought it back in the last episode, the what the F moments. Now... And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I just think it's good to bring out what the F moments only only to, uh, in this case, only if to iron them out and maybe come up with some answers and have a few laughs. So let's get to a couple of what the F moments real quick. Um, the Invisible Man at one point when he's talking to Kemp 
and he says, you know, you're going to be my partner, this and that. And he explains everything. And it's cool because it's almost like he's just obviously explaining it to the audience. So they said, you know what, let's write some really cool things about this whole invisibility aspect of the movie and talk about how how one would have to deal with being invisible because that would be interesting for people to say wow is that yeah i never thought about it yeah you do have to do that yeah you do gotta do that but alex even on top of that though a lot of this movie is exposition dude it's about it's from the cops perspective it's how are they gonna catch him well this is what's going on audience so this is what we gotta do to catch this guy like that's like 40 percent of the movie dude it's so great they want to paint a picture of if this was real what are some things you would have to encounter and or do or how to handle it so one of the things the invisible man says and you're right that's they're explaining how would you catch a guy like that so let's spell it all out now invisible man is spelling out how do you deal with being invisible and one thing he says is uh uh obviously he, he even points out the fact that he's naked the entire movie oh my god i know what you're gonna say it takes place in February, by the way. So he is freezing to be the Invisible Man. One of the things are, he says to Kemp, when he when he uh, eats, you can see the food until it digests. <laughs> That's so insane. He's smoking, and you don't see the smoke fill his lungs and blow out and stuff. How how could that be? I think didn't we talk about that when we were doing the Abbott and Costello? Did that come oh, up yeah. then? Yeah, I think um, so. it, it's and yeah, I, I always think that's very funny. I'm like, well, why can't you see that then? And why can't you see food? I mean, are we always looking at him? You know, twenty four to forty eight hours after he's eaten, right. because you should you should see the food during the entire digestive process, shouldn't you? I mean, if 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 right. you can see the food until it's digested, then wouldn't you also see the waste before it comes out? So should there just not be a floating poo walking around? <laughs> Does the monocane hit every single uh, cell in his body? Like, I don't understand how far the mon. Like, that's why this is impossible. And even if, uh, uh, not to ruin anything, but guys, this will never happen. Because even if what this thing is real. This is never going to happen? <laughs> He Aww. would look like a walking jellyfish, basically. Right. You know, like, it, that's the funniest thing about it. Nobody's mentioning the fact that even though he's clear, we would still see the structure of the body. It doesn't matter. He would be a walking jellyfish. I'll, I'll say this. Do they ever explain what does he, um, does he drink it? Does, is it ever? Uh, they eventually show something, uh, maybe in the sequels, whatever, but they usually shoot it like heroin. Oh, okay. So, okay, but but my only um, I was trying to think of ways that like we could possibly refute um, as to why you don't see the insides as opposed to uh, you know whatever um, is maybe like uh, you put it on your skin so it's like an invisibility cloak type deal so it just covers the outside type yeah, of deal. Yeah, but then you would see all the stuff on the inside of them still because it would just be like a see through body. Not not, it, not if it, it would work as a like- cloak. A cover than a than oh, right. Oh, right. But then oh, in that case, right. you wouldn't be able to see through him. Like you wouldn't, exactly. you know, he oh, would just, good, good you point. know, I would be like putting on a giant tub of foundation. You know, <laughs> <He> just, 
<laughs> well, how about when he says, now listen, the whole point of this movie is that he can't come back. He's searching for a way back. He cannot get back to visibility. Yet, he tells Kemp, sometimes I'll make you invisible when I need a rest. Like, what do you mean sometimes? So you could make him go back and forth whenever you need? Well, then... Do that for yourself. <laughs> right. And then, also, why would you want Cap to be invisible? He could just run away and get away from you. If he's invisible, What the f- how are you going to find him? That makes no sense, then. Yeah, like, it's just some weird stuff. And, like, the, the scene... Do you think he was just Kemp- talking shit? Like, to, to kind of show that he was powerful? That he was ready to rape people and whatever he was I, saying? Yeah, I think he was just getting a little, like... He tipped confidence pills or something like he was drunk. He does a lot of that talking. I mean, he's very scary at times when he's talking to Kemp and he's like, I mean, this is his friend. This is his colleague. This is someone that he trusts. And then he's just like he threatens him. You know, he's like, if you try to escape out the window, I'll come after you and you'll never get away. You know, and it's like, God damn, dude. You know, he's like, (laughs) sit down. He goes, sit down. You want me to knock your brains out? Exactly. Like, ah, sit down, you fool. Let's have a decent fire. You hear me? Sit down. Unless you want me to knock your brains out. Sit down! I want you to listen carefully, Kemp. I've been through hell today. I want food and sleep. But before we sleep, there's work to do. One day I'll tell you everything. There's no time now. I began five years ago, in secret. Working all night, every night, right into the dawn. A thousand experiments, a thousand failures, and then, at last, the great, wonderful day. But Griffin, it's ghastly. The great, wonderful day. The last little mixture of drugs. I meant to come back just as I was when you saw me last. The fools wouldn't let me work in peace. I had to teach them a lesson. But why? Why do it, Griffin? Just a scientific experiment at first. That's all. To do something no other man in the world had done. But there's more to it than that, Kemp. I know now. It came to me suddenly. The drugs I took seemed to light up my brain. Suddenly I realized the power I held. The power to rule. To make the world grovel at my feet. (laughs) We'll soon put the world right now, Kemp. You're my partner, Kemp. We'll begin with the reign of terror. A few murders here and there. Murders of great men, murders of little men. Just to show we make no distinction. We might even break a train or two. Just these fingers around a signalman's throat. But I was always like, one of my one of my WTF moments was always, why doesn't he just lock the door? I mean, like, he's invisible, but he's not going to walk through a door. So, like, when he's when he leaves the room, just lock the fucking door and be like, Yeah, right, he can't crap. get in. <laughs> he does lock yeah, it at I, one point. He's like, "Why did you lock the door?" Remember the other guy? Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Why did you lock the door?" Uh, I was afraid. <laughs> yeah, so leave it locked. I was just like, I mean, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you so. don't have to. I guess what he's afraid of is if he runs away from Invisible Man, that he'll eventually find him and he won't know it, and then he'll kill him. I guess that's that's the only thing I could think of. But he he did this thing. He's doing the whole experiment. And it's basically to be known as the greatest scientist ever. People are going to bid, have a bidding war just to get the, the the potion he came up with and all that. Just to get the, you know, the formula. Dude, do you really think killing hundreds of people and stuff like that, is that the best way 
to form a reputation and be a pillar of society and be one of the most renowned scientists? Do you think maybe you should leave the the murdering people out of it? Do you not think there's any repercussions? But then, unfortunately, you could just wave that off and say, well, dude, he's going crazy with the monocane. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. Like, is it the monocane or is it his? Is it him as a person just being that way, you know, um, uh, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it, it's driving like, him. It is literally driving him insane. It is okay. It is. All right. It's changing yeah. his personality. Hey, you know. Yeah. Wh- oh, I just want to shout out to one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he steals the bicycle. Oh my god! Ah. Bicycle. A, bicycle. That's, that a, a couple hilarious. drinks and a gust of wind. And, yeah, yeah, that's it for you. <laughs> oh my! That shit cracked me up. I, Dude, I do you remember in Abbott and Costello when? When Costello turns into a mouse at the bar, and he goes, he goes, you turned into a mouse. He goes, that's right. And he goes, where? At a pub. At a pub. <laughs> so it's so funny. Like, all these guys are trying to explain themselves about how this invisible man happened at a bar. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and even even one time when they're interviewing all the people, he's just like, um, I, I think one of the cops' lines is so, something to the extent of like, yeah, you might want to put a little more water in at that time. Yeah, like water, water down, down your whiskey. Time or like- <laughs> 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 exactly. It, it's so good. Dude, there's so many moments like that with the bike, but the bike one was fu- – I, I, dude, I, re- I rewound it real quick. I was like, that is fucking hilarious, dude. Oh, but, but, but like I think – one of the main things, though, is that could have easily been like, oh, that's a CGI thing. Well, not a CGI, obviously. What did you say? Uh, cover it with the black... Uh... Velvet. Yeah, that's the... So it, you could chalk it up to, oh, that just looks silly. But that whole way that scene played out, dude. And then there were so many scenes after that that were just so on point, like hilariously funny to me, dude. But that kicked it off. I was like, oh, I was like, we're in a different movie now. I was like, this movie just got elevated. I love that. The bike scene. Elevated? Dude, what are... Yeah. Remember how he was messing with people, stealing the bike, pulling hats off? Do you remember what he does? Wait, fucking hit the bar maiden? Fucking hits her in the head? <laughs> no, no, that's hilarious. No, that <clears throat> that's when he comes back. Do you remember when he flipped the baby's carriage with the baby in it? That's no? right. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. Can you believe that? What? What a dick. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is he's fucking, he's mean. Fuck that guy. They just threw everything out the window with that. Like, once, you know, Jason doesn't even kill kids. He just stares at them. Right. And it almost seemingly nobody really kills kids. This guy literally saw a woman pushing a stroller and flipped that. (laughs) I missed that, dude. I'm I'm kind of sad I did. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Oh, my God. Well, and, dude, even that, though, like, okay, so you can uh, – that's, like, pretty bad. Don't get me wrong. But even when he was talking about the whole, yeah, we're going to we're gonna rape Rob and fuck him, like, whatever he was saying. But he was like, we're going <laughs> to do this, we're going to do that. And then he was like, um, we're going to uh, – uh, talking about the train, right? Even though he was talking shit about the train, dude, dude, when that train scene hit and he and he switched the tracks and the train went off the tracks, dude, I was like, my 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 jaw fucking I, my my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh my god! I was like, this guy's legit fucking an evil motherfucker. And that's what I was talking about the progression earlier. Like, I he kills a hundred and a hundred people in a cl- one, right? Swift. Clip, yeah. 
That's insane, yeah. dude. Like that was a that was a I, I wouldn't say a leap, but that was a big fucking progression for for his evilness. I mean, flipping babies is one thing, but I mean, goddamn. Yeah, I think that yeah, it's weird. We kind of gloss over. That's a major. Like once he does that, it's almost like you can't think anything no else. Back. Yep. But this movie has probably the highest body count. Literally, you could even compare him to all the '80s slashers and stuff. This is the highest body count of any monster and or killer and or whatever you want to what do you even call this guy because he's not a monster he's actually just a regular guy right that's the whole thing though man villain like, he's just he, a, he's a villain he's a villain right He's a villain, but but that's the thing. Like he's he's invisible, yes, but it's he uses fear, the, the fear, uh, 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 people's fear against them of his invisibility, and that's what I'm talking about when he said, um, when he when he explains it to people, like, no, I'm not gonna choke you. I'm just gonna talk about choking you and everybody else in this movie. Like, he, I shall choke you, and he's just like, I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna do it by choking you. Like that. Well, he tells him, <laughs> he tells him that what time he's gonna kill him. Like, right now, yeah. the fear, the the anticipation of patient to death is worse than death itself. Yeah, I mean, you've got this entire town of people pissing their pants because they don't know. They And imagine this. I mean, it's kind of like it follows, you know. Like, imagine that, you know, you're sitting around. He could be here right now. He could be in this fucking room. Right. That's crazy. There's somebody in this fucking room. Like, uh, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> he could be here and you don't know it. You know, he could be anywhere. He could, you walk into your bedroom, he could be there. You walk outside. I mean, you're afraid to walk outside. He could be standing right outside your door. All right, you fools. You've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> Look, he's all eaten away. Huh? How do you like that, eh? <laughs> it's terrifying. I mean, it, it really is, and you're living under constant paranoia like they can't even talk about their plans because they don't know if he's in the room with them right then you know it's 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 fucking freaky and then when he says things like you know just my hands around the neck of a of a signalman is all it'll take you know like just throttling the the when to, to crash a train i mean that is that is beyond i mean that it's it's not just mean it's not just evil it is it's he's gleeful about it, it Oh, Jamie, you know, Jamie, it's I'm so sickening. glad you said that, dude. I'm so glad you said that, Jamie. So check this out. So what did you guys think of his maniacal laugh at some point? There was one scene in particular with his laugh. You know what I'm talking about? That that crazy maniacal laugh that he had. Here we the, go gathering nuts and may, nuts and may, nuts yes, and may. Yes, dude. Yeah, I was about to say, or when he's singing nuts and may, the parts where he's doing the maniacal laughter, it takes me straight to Scrooge, where at the end of that, after he's already changed and after he's like a good person and he's all like giddy and dancing and running through the house and he's he's talking to the maid and he's like, oh, it's such a lovely woman, such a lovely woman. Oh, turkey, 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 turkey. I mean, he's just basically just Bleh. Um That's what it reminds me of when he's, you know, when he's just singing Nuts and May and he's being all just... Right. 
evil. And but this, and what makes it more menacing is that he's gleeful about it. Like he has this level of just right. just happiness and and just glee, and, yep. and that makes it that much more frightening. I think. Oh, and, uh, like thank you so much for bringing this up too, because he he was my whole thing, and I actually um I went back again to see if I could find more similarities in it. The scene that I got from it, and I'll be genuinely surprised if this scene was not um, maybe even subconsciously uh, uh, inspired by this. Dude, 1989's The Batman, Mirror, Mirror. Jack, Jack Nicholson, dude, that it's, it's when he's taking off those bandages and he starts laughing, it's the same thing. Wow. It's so good. He takes I, off bandages. Dude. It was like, oh my god! And then he starts laughing as he goes out. I was like, this has, like, like I, I, I don't know. It has to, it has to be inspired. Would that be cool if he took his bandages off and his head wasn't there? He was invisible. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mirror. It just took the, it just took the color out of his skin. Like, like it's the only thing that would happen here if he had Monica. Right, exactly. And so, but let me ask you guys a question, though. So, do you think, okay, that's one scene, and that's one movie that, that I found a similarity in. But do you think that um, that this movie, or this look, rather, because um, think about how many movies and characters this has inspired. Like, there was even one scene, dude, when, when he took off his glasses and you could see his eye holes or whatever. It looked like Baghead Jason. And then you got... Things like Dark Man. You got. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Um, you got so many examples of. Um, oh, what's that? Um, the the town that dreaded sundown. Even his, his his looks very similar. Do you think it's just the simplicity of that, or do you think that that it's um like somewhat, if not directly, like homage? Yeah, yeah. Because that look is iconic, dude. It's scary. I think it's the same answer Jamie gave for why they remake these movies and all this. It's cheap. Right. <laughs> that right. and and there's something, there is something menacing about anonymity and you know a covered face. Uh, it's it, it sort of it removes the humanity. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if they even were thinking about this film when they were, and probably not. I mean, they were probably just you know it was probably anything from budgetary reasons to. Well, we got to come up with some way to hide who it is. How do we do it? Oh, let's stick a bag over his head. You know, it's my go to move. They probably weren't directly thinking about it, but on some level, maybe it did inspire something because maybe they were in their mind thinking, you know, when I was a kid and I watched The Invisible Man, that was yep. pretty, you know, that was pretty creepy that you can't right? see his face, but you see this hollowness in the eyes, you know. Yeah. And at any time anybody's head was ever smashed in by a stool, you know <laughs> they took it from this movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every time but, I know, see somebody get decked with a glass in the head, I'm like, oh. Original scream queen, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh God, <laughs> for the wrong reasons. <laughs> like another weird choice is when the Invisible Man first walks into the the lion's head. In mm. right before that, the guy establishes that the other guy is really not playing the piano, and he really just puts a nickel in there, and it plays automatically. How did it completely just stop playing when the guy walked in? When the Invisible Man walked in? <laughs> what That's he was... a good question. 
His nickel ran out. <laughs> Isn't, wouldn't that be funny if we heard... Like, remember the uh-huh. jukeboxes always had the record scratch? <laughs> scratch. And, uh... Yeah, I know. That, uh, there was that a guy was... hiding behind it, and he unplugged it from the wall. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, wait, this guy's weird looking. Let me stop this music. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that was the reefer madness moment I was talking about with the guy oh, okay. spread out the gate. Loved it. Yeah, I was picturing the piano player from reefer madness unplugging the plug when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> with his hair, you know. And, uh, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sort of a cross between him and the guy from Airplane. <laughs> the, the, the giant Tylenol guy where he unplugs the runway lights. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Surely you can't be serious. We talked earlier about one more thing about the, uh, the pub. When the guy accuses them of, um, you know, wow, yeah, sure, invisible man, boy, uh, you you must have sold, uh, this is pretty good for business, huh? You know, your place is known for having the invisible man, this and that. And he goes, do you think I'd break my neck to sell a gallon of beer? <laughs> right. Yeah, the guy who got tossed on the stairs, right? <laughs> yeah, so, like, look at him. Why would he be making it up, you dick? Right. Like, he deserves to get his head smashed in. Well, and, and that whole thing, though, with the cops questioning people, what, what can, can, can we just zone in on this cop for a second? That the second-in-command guy, the fucking buffoon, the dead... Oh, God, that hamming it up is so bad. It's it's so over the top, dude, that like, I'll be honest with you. So when I said about the bike scene, I was like, that's great or whatever. I was like, Some... what's all this? <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they... Yeah, what's all this? It's the stranger with the goggles. He's gone mad. He's assaulted Mrs. Hall and nearly killed her husband. Huh? <laughs> Hmm. There was the other one who was just like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, he's upstairs. He's like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Like, he is hamming that shit up so bad. I'm about to serve him for Easter dinner, man. Like, it is unbelievable. <laughs> that took me a minute to get. That was good. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's terrible, this this cop with the hamming it up. But, you know, there are a couple great choices that whale did like one of them is where kemp's listening to the news about the invisible man he's been seen he did this he did that he did the other he smashed this guy's head and he killed a cop and then all of a sudden the radio turns off and then and then the invisible man starts talking instead and fills it in that's great oh my god i'd be like what the fuck yeah this guy's in my house right like that is a jarring moment this is the national station broadcasting this evening's news. Remarkable story from Country Village. The police and doctors are investigating an astonishing story told this afternoon by the people of the village of Iping. It appears that a mysterious disease has broken out, infecting a large number of the inhabitants. It takes the form of a delusion that an invisible man is living among them. Several people have been seriously injured, probably through fighting among themselves and their belief that their opponent is an invisible man. The whole village is in a state of panic and everyone and everyone deserves the fate that's coming to them panic death things worse than death don't be afraid kemp it's me griffin jack griffin it's moments like that where you think um that was one of the initial ideas that they had with this and and i'm sure that's some stuff like that's in the book but we talked about playing on that fear of whether he's in the room or not i feel like yeah. that had to have been one of those initial ideas that they were just like that that this whole character was based on like we got to use that and, and we're just we're just capitalizing off his ability to and do it's that. so effective too man like you felt that eeriness of it dude like and and it's so easy to be um for me anyways guys 
as like it's so easy for me to be taken out of these movies because you know like even in those beginning scenes that that Flora girl um over overacting in certain instances and oh yeah she wasn't a very good actress in the beginning exactly and, and even when you know even um I don't want to call it overacting but you know that that flamboyant way of of going about it like I said earlier I liked his subtlety it wasn't always subtle when he was talking about raping fucking people and stuff like that so that's not what it's all about but what I'm saying is like oh my god like the choices that they made in this movie to 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 get that those scares and like I said like not not like today's scares they're not jump scares they're just creepy like ideas that are explored I loved it man I love that scene yeah yep. now the camp turns on him now would you guys would either one of you turn on on uh, Griffin at this point like would you call the cops would you be that ballsy no or would you just like I, like what would you do like Jamie if you were trapped in this situation where Griffin's in your house he's invisible you don't know if he's behind you if he's here there the other thing he has all this power you know he's clearly crazy no uh, I don't know while I was watching and I was thinking about it I was like well what if I Mm. stood by the door with a bedspread and then when he walked in the room I covered him with the bedspread and then tied him up right. you know and or smashed his head with a bat or something oh that's right? probably easier oh except I can't yeah. see him so you know <laughs> no no you could how about you just put a bucket above the door like the old thing and then fill it with paint or powder and then just when he opens oh, yeah. it it falls on him then hit him in the head with a bat I would have to gone. hope that I had paint or powder in my room I guess right. um, we all know the damage a bucket can do <laughs> oh, so what if you hit him in the head with a red bucket? A red bucket. <laughs> Shut up, Home Alone um, too, right there. I was yeah, thinking, that... I, I tie, like, find some way to tie him up, and then I call the police. Right. You know, I, I right. wouldn't, I would be too afraid to do it if he wasn't contained. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a frightening thing because he could just take off all his clothes. And I mean, he was, he gave him a courtesy of dressing while he was talking to him at times. You know, and that was right. nice. But then. All he has to do is take off his clothes and you don't know where the fuck he is. So I wouldn't do anything unless I had a way to contain him first and be absolutely sure that he couldn't get to me or get away. How about when he's taking off his pants and he, he says the line, I'm going to shock them all as he's unbuttoning his pants. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you're right though, Jamie. But here's the thing. They had this exact conversation in the movie. How, like our idea with the paint is is like a million times better than that one guy who said, <laughs> he said, take fucking wet cement and put it in the streets and follow the footsteps. No, he said wet tar. And the guy goes, because he's not an idiot. Like, it was so stupid. It's so dumb, dude. I thought that was the dumbest idea ever. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, get him out of here. He's... Hey, how about Dwight Fry making a cameo? Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> he was uh, he was the assistant to Frankenstein. Oh, right on. Dr. Frankenstein in the original. He was Dracula's love slave in the original Dracula. Uh, he's a village person in all the Frankenstein sequels. He's the guy who's like, rats, thousands. Million. Is he the Indian or the cop? Here he was a reporter. No, you said that he's in the village people. Is he the Indian or the cop? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you clarified that because I was going Indian. I don't know if there's <laughs> <any> Indian in this movie. I don't know why I didn't say it. What are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> Kemp has now been, you know, he found out that he called these people 
uh, the cops, they go to surround the house. The visible man escapes. All they do is hold her, each other's hands, walk towards the house. I guess he jumped over their hands. Can I say so something, though, very... Alex, about that? They do that inside, too. And initially, I laughed, but think about it. Dude, if we were all in a room and that was happening, like, that's kind of... Like it's it's old school, but like that makes sense, right? Like, wouldn't you do that? Like, let's hold hands and just close old school. Them. Yeah, yeah, right? I guess. But yeah, I, it's I'd like a giant up game of Red Rover. Yes, that. Oh my God, Jamie, that was one of my fucking things in my notes. God damn it, you are good. Yeah. Good Lord. Thank you, Kemp, for opening the window. You're a true friend, Kemp, a man to trust. I've no time now, but believe me, as surely as the moon will set and the sun will rise, I shall kill you tomorrow night. I shall kill you even if you hide in the deepest cave of the earth. At 10 o'clock tomorrow night, I shall kill you. See, now, you know, they're looking for a chance to catch this guy, and they got it now because he guaranteed that he's going to kill Kemp at 10 o'clock. So they figure, oh, okay, well, he's definitely going to try to do this. So... Kemp thinks he's a wise ass, or the cops, whoever thought of it, and he pulls the old switcheroo, he goes into the police station, and when he's supposed to be coming out into their protection, he comes out dressed as a cop, so I guess Griffin's supposed to believe that Kemp's still in there, just being in the police station, being protected, and now he gets to get into a car, and I guess he tells him his driveway, keep driving, go, and I'll never find you. So... How awesome is it that, um, well, after a cop sprays a cat black, uh, uh, dude, that is scene is so fucking funny. So, so as Kemp's driving, he thinks he's free. He even starts vocalizing it. Yeah, I got away. They'll never find me. Uh All of a sudden, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. He wanted to murder me. I think this will do nicely, Kemp. We'll stop here. Guess who was sitting in the car? Now, if I was Kemp, that's how stupid he is. I would have felt around inside of the car to see if anybody was in there. Yep. Yep. He didn't even think of that. I mean, Griffin's just hanging out there in the nude, driving with him, and he says, "Here I am, Kemp. I told you I was going to kill you." <laughs> and blah 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 blah. Yeah, he pulled the Annie in Halloween. Just hopped right in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yep. So, uh, what do you guys think? Again, brutal man. I mean, think of the deaths, getting your head smashed in, the baby flip, the train accident, and now this, like, describing even the death. I hope your car's insured, Kemp. I'm afraid there's going to be a nasty accident in a minute. A very nasty accident. Griffin, I'll do anything, everything you ask me. You will? That's fine. Just sit where you are. I'll get out and take the handbrake off and give you a little shove to help you on. You'll run gently down and through the railings. Then you'll have a big thrill for a hundred yards or so till you hit a boulder. Then you'll do a somersault and probably break your arms. Then a grand finish up with a broken neck. Oh, my God. And if I was Kemp and I was sitting in that car, I'd be like, I cannot believe this is going to happen to me in, like, ten seconds. Yeah, he was like, I was standing right next to you in the police station. Now I'm going to choke you. And then he does it. Like like he said, it's all about oh. that anticip- anticipation of Anticipation of death. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, dude. Yeah, I, I thought, it's very creepy, man. Very, very creepy aspects to this character in this movie. Yeah. Well, goodbye, Kemp. I always said you were a dirty little coward. You're a dirty, sneaking little rat as well. Goodbye. (laughs) 
does it, man. He, he does it. puts that thing and, and he rolls them off and you see the whole thing. This movie pulls no punches. It's weird how like the censors were so weird in in the 80s. I mean, since we talk about it every 10 minutes anyway, I might as well say, in Friday the 13th Part 7, I feel like that was more neutered than right. this movie in a way. Right. You know, like, you saw more kind of chaotic chaos and, and damage and brutality here than you did in that movie. So it's kind of weird how all this went through. You would think everybody was a bunch of pussies back then, right? right. Well, dude, yeah, exactly. And and how about even the scene where he picks the cop up and he's, like, uh, spinning him around outside? Um, yeah, and he just took his pants off. Dude, you know, what I, you know what I got from that scene, which really reminded me of it, was um, Tina in fucking Nightmare on Elm Street, dude. Like, that was... It was very reminiscent of that mm. scene, right? It was kind of crazy. But I, the best part about that, too, is he goes... He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, we found his trousers in a ditch like Kamala. so like i forget what he mm. says but what he's like we found the cop's trousers in a ditch i was like what it's like the uh, the visible man didn't use him for a shrine i know right yeah. <laughs> oh man sorry go ahead continue yes but jamie was your was your your least favorite part of this movie when they when the guy spray painted the cat <laughs> did that piss you the fuck off <laughs> i mean, well, I'm not happy about it, but uh, no, I mean, it just. Uh, I can't You're like, it. hey, fucker! <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually, I, I, I do that, and, and, and Brian, if I tried to deny it, Brian would outright call me a liar. So it's it, like he would, if I said no on the show, like, no, it doesn't bother me at all, he'd be like, bullshit! Right? <laughs> yeah. A dog dying wouldn't bother Dan. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, what do you guys think? Is this guy worse, or are the cops in, uh, uh, the, the the cop in this guy uh, in this um, movie, or the cops in um, in uh, Halloween Five, which Ooh. which is which are worse? Uh, Halloween Five. Okay, all right. <laughs> I just wanted to just wanted to put it put that battle up there. Now uh, it all wraps up. The whole movie wraps up with uh, the Visible Man needs some sleep. He is tired. He finds a bar. It's empty. No one seems to be around. So he goes in. Lays down in the hay and uh, catches a couple winks. This this uh, yokel walks in there, hears snoring or something, hears him moving around, pokes him with a stick. Luckily, he doesn't wake him up. Well, luckily for him, anyway, that he doesn't wake him up. And tells the cops he's there. The cops light it on fire. Big climactic ending. It starts filling with smoke. Invisible Man gets up. He walks out into the snow. And you can see his footprints because it's snow on the ground. That's how they, they can now see him and they know where to shoot the gun. Now, I'm, I, ho- I hate to break this. It's a what-the-f moment. I hate to kind of put this in people's heads, but there's a major problem with this scene. If the invisible man is naked, why are the footprints that of somebody who's wearing shoes? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah Good dude. <laughs> Didn't even think of it. Wow. I, I don't think that's ever crossed my mind either. So Dude, that's a really good nice catch. catch. But, yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, and also, wouldn't you see the bullet in him too? Like an outside object, right? Because he shot him. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. Well, see, they wouldn't go that far, I guess. That <laughs> right? But it would be cool to lay one on the on the ground, yeah. Because if you laid it on the ground, at least we know it's there. You know what I mean? Or, or right. have 
bleed out, but that's kind of... Well, the blood should be invisible, I guess, because if we can't see... Right. If you could see through him, that means that everything inside of him is invisible, too. That's the only way to see through him. (laughs) We're talking about this again, we just can't comprehend it. (laughs) We can't comprehend it, because like I said, he'd be a jellyfish. Even if all those things had no pigment or color or anything, the physicality of it would be there. So it would still... It would be like... The best way to describe what Invisible Man would look like besides my amazing jellyfish comparison is to say that... You remember the remember the Predator in the original Predator, the his his invisible cloak. You still yeah. saw that kind of thing because you can't just disappear. Right. You just can't. And and there really are those in real life, and they they've been developing them for years um, for the military. But what it is is reflective, so it reflects everything around it. So that Predator thing is is more indicative of that than anything because yeah, like you can see the outline, but it's really just reflect. Like you can't see through the Predator, but what it's doing is reflecting everything around it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like ah yes yeah so you're you're yes. given the illusion of seeing especially exactly. it would work exactly. in a place like the jungle the jungle uh, right. where it, where everything looks the same exactly and and yeah. that's what they were going for in Predator and I th- and they really do have those in real life like and and I don't I don't know obviously I haven't seen it but like in the military they they develop stuff like that and they did reference Predator and I was like that's exactly what that is so it is yep. yep. He would distort anything he walked in front of, basically. The Invisible Man could never be what he is in these movies. He would distort anything that was behind him. Totally. So uh, that's what I mean by the jellyfish. Yep. (laughs) So uh, here's the big ending. Like, he's laying in bed. The bullets hit too many vital organs or whatever. And he is not going to make it. So Flora is there. He's at the bedside. Now, Jamie... you're a girl, right? I just had this because I said that like 20 times on the show. Last I checked. Yeah. And you said that as the response about Right. <laughs> if Brian, uh, for some reason, was a chemist and he did every single thing in this movie, think of all the deaths, 122 people, smash heads, baby flips, trains. Baby flips. All the stuff he's done, roll guys off cliffs. But he was in bedside dying at the end of it all. Would you have mixed emotions? Like, what would be going through your head as you were laying and watching him die? Like, I would be thinking, well, at least you're not the one who painted the cat. <laughs> no, I... And, uh, you know, the, the baby, to be honest, the baby flipping thing wouldn't bother me at all. But um, I... <laughs> oh. Everyone already knows that, you know. It's just like, yeah, whatever, baby. But um, I... <laughs> the cat, now, don't fuck with the cat. <laughs> no, I... To be honest, I would not have mixed feelings. I would still love him because I would know that that this is not him. You know, it's not his fault. This is he's not an he is not inherently an evil person. This is what is happening to him. I would That's... still be in love with the Brian that I fell in love with. Nothing will ever change that. Wow. And um, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which that would ever change. Jamie is a ride or die chick, guys. <laughs> I right? Am. I am. And. And this, particularly in this situation, when I know that there's a reason for it, and I know that he, in in the end, while even though he did it to himself, he really is not culpable. So, right. yeah, no, I would be, I would be heartbroken and uh, sad about the loss of 
the man that I loved, you know, regardless of what he had done because it wasn't him. And although um, Claude Rains on some level is in this movie throughout the whole thing, whether it be just his voice, him in bandages, he's in 95% of the movie, but you only actually see him in the final second. I really like that. Really like that, by the way. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah. What do you think of his face? You know what he's, you know what he sort of looks like? He didn't, he didn't look at all like um, he did in The Wolfman, did he? Well, it it was uh, almost a decade previous. Not quite, but almost. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. His hair was so dead. He kind of looked like the mad scientist that has the orange guy in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> he kind of had oh, that Elmer look Fudd? to him a little bit. Not as much as uh, John Buscemi or whatever his name is, but sort of like that guy. <laughs> Well, for me, dude, it was always, um, I was trying to imagine what this guy looked like the whole movie. So then when that final scene came, it was kind of cool to like think back about it. Like, oh, okay, that's what he looks like. Now, did his face fit the voice to you? No, it didn't. But with that said, it was, I like that. I really do. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's, I I really liked it because in one shot, like, your mind can just kind of, you know, do the math and and backtrack and say, oh, okay. And and you can kind of put it to that. I was thinking about even when, um, when we talked about this on the last show, when Jamie was talking about the um, psycho novel and how you brought up the fact, Alex, that is the big fat guy or whatever, and how she saw him, but at the same time, it was his mannerisms as well that that you know that were um, back to Anthony Perkins from right from what's his name. So it's better not having it in my head and trying to like you know picture it the whole way. It was nice to just let my imagination go because really that those are that that's what all the characters from their perspective that's what they're seeing. They don't know what this guy looks like, and it's scarier that way. So then when you see that final scene, it, it brings so much humanity to him, and and he's not a monster. He's just a normal guy, and and like you guys said, you know, there's sympathy for him, even though he is a bastard. He's rape, robbing, killing people, fucking throwing trains off and shit. So it's it's one of those things where it's very powerful last scene. I, I really liked it. One thing, too, about that scene, guys, I want to say, the music often in these movies takes me out of it because it's so over the top. Oh, it's very bombastic. It is. So... No, no, no. And so when when they brought that music in, they didn't use over-the-top music like that in this movie um, until the very end. Um, And I could be wrong about that, but I just remember very vividly saying, oh, wow, like they they held off. And and I I find it somewhat cheesy listening to that kind of music, like I said, like you just said, because it's so over-the-top. But uh, I found it really fitting in this, and and I found it it, it really... um, it really helped, like the uh, the um, the emotional. What word am I trying to use here? Wait again. Yeah, exactly. So what they were trying to for? Yeah. So so it's um. I thought it was great, man. I thought it, in one scene it really conveyed a lot, and it was cool to uh, think back about the whole movie and, and try and picture that and, and all that kind of stuff. But so what a great movie, though. Thank you guys for recommending this to me, because like I said, I'd be so blind as to like where to start, um, what to watch. And you guys know all this stuff. And when you name it, all these names, I'm just like, who? Like, I, I don't know. Well, dude, How cool is it now? You're not going to go through your life like so many people who never gave these movies a chance, don't know what we're talking about, assume they're boring. You can never say that now. You'll say, no, I know what, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I know what that is. We think, I don't know what the fuck. 
son of Dracula is? Of course I know that. You don't think I know right. what, you know. So how cool is it that now you get to kind of have wear that badge of honor in a way? Like, you know the foundation of horror. It's so... It's, and I say it all the time. I think it's important. You have to is. know where we come from. You you need to... I, I think it's important anyway to attempt to be a well-rounded right. horror fan. You know, why wouldn't you... If you love horror as a genre, why wouldn't you be interested in seeing its beginnings? Right. Why wouldn't you care about where it came from? I would... That's what I love is watching the evolution of it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for turning me on to this shit. This was top-notch, dude. Yeah. I agree, and I just want to say one stupid thing about me is that when they do show his face at the end, I I don't think it fits either, and it's weird because I know who the guy is throughout the whole movie, so the funny thing about it is that I'm so tuned into the Wolfman that every time he's talking, I vaguely picture Claude Rains from the Wolfman, so when he does materialize at the end of this to me it's not fitting even even though i know right, <laughs> it just doesn't right. make any sense you know so i'm so tuned into the one look of uh, claude rains that it oddly enough i don't see it as a fitting looking face he doesn't seem like that's the guy who made all those who talks like that or sounds like that it's funny yeah exactly yep so uh yeah guys we all give this uh well me and jamie give it a a five out of five. Dan gives it a four out of five. So it didn't hit the Hall of Fame of the Skeleton Crew or anything like that, but it is damn close. It's off by one point. And who knows, if Dan ever gave this another shot, it might grow on him and those other things might fall by the wayside and it might go up because uh, he'll be totally in tune with it. So uh, yep. we'll be right back after this. Alright guys, well thanks for listening. Uh, this is Skeleton Crew 127, uh, Friday 13th, Video Game Talk, Invisible Man, Badass Movie. Yep. Thanks so much, Dan. Glad you liked it, Jamie. Glad we got to relive this movie. Absolutely, dude. Glad to be back, man. And uh, yeah, I can't. I, <laughs> I, I had so much fun on this episode, and honestly, I can't even wait till the next one. So, yeah. 
Yeah, me too. And I'm glad we we finally got to cover this. Of course, um, now I think we've uh, we've talked about all of my at least my top three uh, universals. So um, that makes me happy. We are fulfilled. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll be back very shortly with a very cool, surprising show we have for you in in a little bit. So stay tuned, and we'll see you then. <laughs>